For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. The awful tragedy over the weekend in East Cork dominates many newspapers this morning. Uh, it's the tributes that have been paid to a hero mum who drowned saving her son from the sea. And she did just that. Very brave Joanna Wisnowska, the age of 34. See, she dived into the sea and managed to rescue the boy who was in difficulties while swimming on the beach in East Cork, Ballycronine Beach. Um, the little 10-year-old uh, was uh, um, doing his thing and unfortunately got into difficulty. They say there are riptides down in the area. The sun this morning carries it in quite some detail where they say the mama too from Cloyne was sitting on the rocks watching her 10-year-old swimming at Ballycronine when um, uh, the strong current pulled him further out. She's She was a strong swimmer and she managed to push the lad, so brave. But it's the thing a mum would do, it's the thing any parent would do, isn't it really? Uh, managed to push the lad onto the rocks but was unable to get up to safety herself. Even reading that uh, makes me shudder. It's understood that she was caught in a strong riptide and pulled out to sea. Uh, rescued, uh, flown by a rescue helicopter to Cork uh, Airport and from there to University Hospital, but sadly pronounced dead. Uh, now, the little lad, her son, his injuries are non-life-threatening and we spoke about this on the on the air yesterday morning. Uh, all of the papers talk about it and the whole community is grieving. Uh, she was a certified therapist who ran her own mobile massage business. She was a very hard-working woman and mother into the bargain. Uh, she worked also in the spa at the Castle Martyr Resort in East Cork. She was known as a hard worker, well-liked by all of her colleagues, and she lived in Cloyne. And many people are talking about uh, the wonderful family and how involved they were in the local community, originally from Poland, but living amongst the good people of East Cork for many, many years. It's just so, so tragic. Papers this morning in other news talk of um, this. This has got to be good news. Anywhere that's building houses, 136 houses, 99 apartments and 40 duplexes, bring it on. I hope everybody will be happy with it because there's a big landmark residential development planned uh, for Waterfall Road in Bishopstown. Uh, a lot of money is being spent on this by the construction company behind it, Bridgewater Homes. Uh, in total, the entire project would cost $123.6 million. So it's a huge investment. Um, and uh, if there were lots of these going on all over the, the suburbs and everybody was happy and, you know, there was no issues with regards to, you know, planning objections, which sometimes can be, you know, reasonable objections to be made. But if there wasn't any, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing that a lot of private companies were just getting on with building and making it easier for people to live and to buy their own homes. Yesterday morning, I touched on the IBAL report. I see an email came in from the Tidy the tidy Towns Group up in, in Shandon, and I will read that out a little later on. But we seem to be improving in some ways. The Echo this morning is saying that Cork is cleaning up its act, according to the latest IBAL uh, against uh, litter. Interestingly, even Mahan is improving because it was seriously littered. So they had a huge job to do. And we spoke with the good people of Mahan who were behind a push this time last year. It seems to be working because they have moved from um, what would have been um, categorized as seriously littered to moderately littered. I know, but at least it's, it's an improvement. There are areas of Cork that need improvement, though, particularly the north side. One of the big issues around the city that IBAL are talking about is uh, quite an amount of uh, cigarette butt litter. And I think also you, what you're not seeing anymore that we were plagued with for a long time was masks during COVID all over the place, all over the streets, all over the roads, all over the footpaths. But we still have a problem, of course, with anything to do with alcohol, fast food boxes or wrappers. 
and indeed coffee cups and what have you. But the North Side has slipped back from its positive end of year showing uh, with, as they're quoting this morning, too, too few clean sites and several heavily littered ones. Uh, but the top ranking sites in the area are Shandon Street, so I'm happy to correct that, Cathedral Walk, Blackpool Shopping District. But there are continued problems up in areas like Cushing Place, Upper Fair Hill, Fair Hill Me- Fairfield Meadows and places like that. So more on that throughout the course of the morning. Have you got a Mahan Point gift card or a voucher? You can't spend it. The company behind that uh, from Lithuania have had their license revoked and taken away because there's allegations of money launderings, you know, breaches in the money laundering laws and acts in Lithuania. And there's also fears that these this company might have been connected to terrorist financing laws violation. Fairly serious stuff. We let them get on with it, but it means that um, you can't spend the gift cards. They're not being honoured. It isn't anything that is exclusive to, say, the likes of Maham Point. They're in the same problem, like, as an example, Liffey Valley Shopping Centre in Dublin. But the story I'm reading is both in The Independent, when they talk of many thousands of gift vouchers that apparently are just going to be written off. Um, the money's all gone. I don't even think the shops or Maham Point got the money. Think it all headed to this company that was holding it in Lithuania. But it's the punter at the end of the day that's left holding the absolutely worthless vouchers. Perhaps you're amongst them. Uh, text 0868104106. Axel the Wolf Dog continues to make the newspapers. I hope to have an update. And I'm being promised a statement from Rumley's Open Farm at some stage this morning. Uh, so um, the examiner honed in at it online, actually, and revisited uh, an inspection report Two Rumleys back in 2019. And the Mirror pick up on this this morning where they talk of repeated animal escapes and a very lackadaisical effort to recapture the animals. Now, um, the issue with regards to uh, Axel is he's a wolf dog, but said to be very shy. You know, um, now, from my understanding is he is not a risk to the community at large. But I will have more on this a little later on this morning regarding Rumley's open farm and the wolf dog. And at some stage, I will have that. Um, I will have that statement from Rumleys. I should have mentioned actually um, uh, another kind of residential-related story when I was talking about uh, the Bishopstown area development, because you know Arcadia House, which was originally the Arcadia uh, downtown campus, things like that. But way back, it was the home of some superb gigs down through the years, and and of course, in its heyday, a fantastic venue for the big show band scene that happened right across Ireland. Well, at the moment now, that's got student apartments, but the company behind it want to flip it from student accommodation to residential apartments down the lower Glanmire Road, but that's been turned down by City Council. One of the things they had a problem with, of course, apparently, was the fire department were saying that there could be a potential fire in the underground car park and possibly there could be issues regarding how to control it. Uh, I can't say any more than that because I'm not a professional in that regard, but uh, one would have thought that with, with students in there, maybe the same rules would apply, or is it perhaps that students don't have cars, they don't quite get it, RT makes all of the papers today. You had a lot of the presenters coming out yesterday giving details of their own salaries. It was no big deal to them, I would imagine, because their salaries were already published, but it must have been kind of slightly uncomfortable for them to talk about it on air, but a lot of them did yesterday, including Joe Duffy and including Claire Byrne. I see Miriam McCallaghan then came out as well, Brendan O'Connor also, 
uh, and Joe Duffy and the likes of that. So all of their figures um, that were quoted and published in the papers, they all came out and said that they were accurate yesterday, that there were no secret deals. Now, the lies and deceit that came from this, un, you know, this incorrectly published list when it came to, um, to Ryan Tuberty, of course, that's going to be front and centre with regards to the two different committees that will be asking questions. One will be tomorrow, it's the media committee, and then on with Thursday, it's the Oireachtas committee. Uh, so nothing to declare is a headline making this morning's star, as in Claire Byrne. Another one is D-Day for RTE, as in D Forbes. Another one, no secret deals. They're kind of corny headlines, to be quite honest with you. But the papers also say, uh, and according to the Independent this morning, that Ryan Tuberty was paid €75,000 by Renault in the one year that Renault paid the seventy five grand, There were two other 75000 payments which were made by RTE, none of them published and included in his salary total. But one of them was paid by Renault and part of that apparently was back in uh, March of last year when uh, Ryan Tuberty uh, hosted an event at Renault showrooms here in Cork. There's over 200 customers and corporate executives including uh, you know members of the Curie family and what have you who have the uh, Curies of the um, Renault franchise here on Leaside. The company's chief executive's officer was there. The sports celebrity Simon Zebo, Mick Galway was there. It wasn't clear whether this was one of the events which were linked to the RTE uh, contract, but one would think that it was an event that was linked to the three events per year that Tuberty was requested to do to get 75 grand uh, from uh, Renault. So all of the papers talk of it today. It's interesting that Fiona and Sheehan digs a little bit deeper, from what I can see, uh, than anybody else today, because while many of the stars have come out and given their salaries and confirmed that the published ones were correct. Um, certainly, um, the attention is turning now to Patrick Keelty. And she and Fionn Sheehan says that Patrick Keelty is tone deaf. Um, so he'll fit right in on the Late Late Show. Tone deaf, apparently. I'll talk to Fionn a little later on because apparently uh, Kirsty Blake Knox tracked uh, Keelty down to an event in Belfast and she asked him about the payment scandal. And he says, I'll need a few more beers before I can talk about that one, he says. Um, she then asked him, given the call for transparency, will you be willing to disclose, disclose your salary details? And she was met by absolute silence. He said nothing. And a PR handler uh, moved in and said that it was not appropriate to ask him such questions. Unfortunately, it's a question that will have to be answered, whether it's by RTE or whether it's indeed by Patrick Kilty, because it is public sector money. Uh, so his salary would be as relevant as Tuberty's salary or Duffy's salary or Claire Burns or Miriam O'Callaghan or anybody like that. I think it's very tragic what happened with regards to the sub that went down to the Titanic and they all died. And there's an update to this story today where the mother of the teenage lad who died on the on the submersible said that she was due to take the place. This is uh, Christine Darwood, whose son, Solomon, uh, went down with his dad. He didn't want to go down. He was said to have been very nervous. That's what I read at the weekend. But he went down as a Father's Day gift for his dad. Both of them perished. But his mam this morning has said that he was fully of excitement before the trip because uh, he planned to break a world record by solving a Rubik's Cube on the floor of the Atlantic. He wanted to solve the Rubik's Cube next to Titanic. And we get to see the world through a 19-year-old's eye, don't we? Um, and, the, and the head and the brain and the thinking and the mind of a 19-year-old. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think there's something kind of lovely about that. He had an opportunity. Clearly, Dad had the money. But that's what he wanted to do. That was his 19-year-old adventure. And, of course, it ended 
in tragedy. From one kind of tragedy to another, it's just not working out for Meghan and Harry when it comes to become international superstars. I think Meghan perhaps thought she might be the next Oprah Winfrey. According to Hollywood, who have just delivered a withering verdict on her talent... In fact, they're saying that she doesn't have any kind of talent at all. There's a fellow called Jeremy Zimmer uh, who um, coached an awful lot of big stars, including Damien Lewis and Benedict Cumberbatch. He said, um, it's no wonder that Spotify axed the £20 million or euro or dollar deal with herself and Harry after only one podcast series. He says it's because she doesn't have any kind of great audio talent or necessarily any kind of talent at all. It's an awful thing to say about someone. It really and truly is. They seem, it seems that that couple can do no right. And people are always looking at an opportunity uh, to take them down. I'm only telling you what's in the paper. Don't be including me in that. If you go back 1.45 million years ago, we had brothers and sisters and uncles and aunts and all sorts of relatives living on this planet. They were the cavemen the cave people and if you thought that they just ate say for instance what did I read this morning fruits leaves insects um, animals including antelope um, think again they also ate each other when food was in short supply they dined on their neighbours apparently so it's Yabba Dabba Chew is a headline making the sun today apparently they came across some bones or some fossilised remains of cave people and they found that hang on a second When you look at the way this leg was damaged, uh, it wasn't broken naturally. It was actually sawed. So somebody was chopping into someone's inner thigh. Anyway, if you want to lose weight, one of the ways to do it is only eat during an eight-hour window. Actually, this is a good idea because eating late is a very bad idea. So many people would suggest that the best time to eat and to do all of your eating is between midday and 8 p.m., Some might suggest a little earlier than 8pm, maybe midday and 7pm, but certainly no later. You don't have to mind the calories as much if you stop eating by 7 or 8 in the evening. Eating later than that and going to bed on a full stomach, bad idea. It just sits there and you get this roll of fat around your stomach and under your arms and down your back and on your jowls and in your chins and before you know it you got a big battle ahead don't you love the story of people who um, go on holidays and the things that they bring with them I was thinking about this this morning because it makes the mirror Noel Gallagher is quoted in the mirror this morning as saying that when he goes on his holidays he takes his own pillow <laughs> Actually, he's actually a pillow thief because he says if I'm in a hotel and I see a better pillow, I'll just swap it. I'll leave them my one and take the better one. He says, I am a confirmed pillow thief. But I was wondering about the weird, strange things that people bring on holidays. I gave it a bit of thought this morning, about 10 seconds, and I came up with two things that many of us certainly do. Certainly tea bags. Now, a lot of people take tea bags, like Barry's tea on their holidays to Spain or Portugal or Greece or whatever. If it's self-creating, you can do an awful lot more. People would... I think most definitely take sausages and rashers with them, wouldn't they? You might be stretched to jam or marmalade. But what do you guys think, take with you, that you can't do without uh, when you go on your holidays? Text 086-8104-106. And don't you love this dinner conversation killer story that's making the rounds online this morning? This is a UK-based story. If you want to avoid rows, apparently anywhere in the UK, uh, or conversation killers at a dinner party, do not talk about Brexit. And do not talk about who owns football clubs. Apparently, there are at least two things in the UK that you shouldn't talk about. Um, Other top 10 conversation killers at dinner parties include work, talking about work, talking about Love Island, 
talking about Elon Musk and talking about Piers Morgan. They don't mention Donald Trump in there. You get a right row going if you brought up Donald Trump or politics or religion. So with all of those lists on that list and everything that I've added to it, it would be a very quiet and sedate dinner party. I mean, what can you safely talk about? Text 0868104106. we got calls on the way. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. I'm joined by Financian, who's the Ireland editor at theindependent.ie, the Sunday Indo, theindependent.ie, and he wrote an article in this morning's paper. Um, it's, it's interesting because it kind of stands aside from many other of the articles. He's got his own opinion piece and comment piece, and he joins me by phone. Uh, Fionnon, good morning. Thanks for taking morning, the call. Man. Nice one. Um, just And yesterday, of course, it was a very interesting day. Eight o'clock yesterday morning, D. D uh, Forbes gives uh, her resignation uh, and uh, issues a statement. Then later in the day, um, uh, many of the RT stars and presenters came out uh, to talk about their own side. Do you think, just on that point, do you think it might have been difficult for them to do that, the likes of Claire Byrne, Joe Duffy, Miriam O'Callaghan and the, and the rest? Yeah, I, I, I suppose it is individually for them because they know that it will place uh, pressure on, I suppose, their, their colleagues to, to, to do the same. And, you know, when they're not all doing it collectively, then it's kind of the first one to, to the first mover. Uh, seem to be to be the one who starts the, the stampede. So, you know, I suppose from that regard. But on the flip side, I mean, I, I think it's in their interest. And even the Taoiseach said yesterday it was in the interest of these people to now clarify their positions. I mean, if there's nothing to hide, it, it's quite easy. They can just come out and say, my salary was published uh, back in January for 2021, 2022. Hasn't changed 2023. Uh, I'm I'm happy. Or sorry, the, the most recent figures relate to 2021. This is the problem. There's, there's often a, a substantial delay. In Sarah Burns' case, she wanted to make it clear what her new terms were since she um, gave TV. up her, her yeah. TV show, and she wanted to make make clear, right, this is the revised contract, and and she she included some additional work, which is effectively uh, external to RTE, but broadcast on RTE. Uh, so she she wanted to put all that. Uh, Correct. On, she said she took so she took a, a cut of seventy thousand down from uh, down to two hundred and eighty. Yeah, uh, for giving up the TV show. I mean, she's still yeah. doing f- five days a week on a on a flagship uh, morning current affairs uh, and and lifestyle show. So that that's that's still a big slot on the on the RTE schedule. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That, she set out her position quite clearly, and, and others followed suit. There's other there's a few others now who haven't. Uh, Ray Darcy, we're still waiting to hear from from him. What exactly is is his position? Uh, no harm if he did. There was some controversy when he moved from. Uh, today FM at the time uh, over to RTE uh, I think back in 2014-2015 that's almost a decade ago that was on a fairly uh, high salary there was some controversy at the time that that basically RTE were back to kind of uh, inflating the market as such so we don't know if he came out and clarified and the other person the other two people I suppose we have to hear from uh, Ryan Tuberty now that he has given up the Late Late Show what is his new revised uh, figure we think we might get an indication of that today from RTE. We think they, they might uh, feel that they need to come out with that, that figure at this, this point. And then secondly, Patrick Keelty, the new star of stars who will who will present the Late Late Show uh, in September after there was nobody else could be found in the whole of RTE to, to present it. Uh, how much is he on? Are we going to have to wait till 2026? 
when RTE published their top ten earners for the full calendar year of 2024. And that's what's what and that's kind of the cr- that's kind of the crux of your piece in this morning's Independent because a colleague of yours, Kirsty Blake Knox, actually did approach him in Belfast. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, Patrick Healy was up at at an event, uh, a, a documentary uh, festival. And he has worked uh, on a on a series of documentaries. So he was up uh, doing a, an event there uh, at the weekend. He was at Carol Frampton, the the World Championship uh, boxer. And after the event, course, he went up to him and just said, "Do you want to say any view on this uh, pay controversy going on in RTE?" And he kind of cracked a joke about, uh, "Oh, I need a few beers in me," and didn't really address it at all. And then some PR flunky came along and kind of said, "Oh, you can't be asking questions like that." So she tried again. Then while later he's going by, he said, "Like in the interest of transparency, do you want to say what your own salary is?" And there was no response from him and the PR flunky came in and said, oh, Patrick is tired and he needs to eat something and he needs to park his car. And I, so I read that the, the PR handler or, said know. that it was not appropriate to ask yeah. such questions. Yeah, but but, so you, but so, you believe that it is appropriate? Well, it's appropriate because it's, it's, it's your listeners' money. Uh, they're not asked, is it, they don't get to say whether it's appropriate or not that they pay the TV licence fee, they pay it. It's the law, full stop. Mm. In return for that, there is a social contract with RTE that the money they receive from the, the TV licence fee, which is 85% of that, that €160 that people pay out, that uh, it is spent on, on public sector broadcasting in the national interest and that they, they present a set of accounts uh, to show uh, to Deoroctus and to the people how this money has been spent. We now know that RT have lied uh, on those accounts for the past uh, six years. So the days of kind of niceties and, oh, we'll wait three years to find out what somebody is paid out of our back pocket are, are kind of gone now. Yeah. And the, the message doesn't seem to have got through. So we saw last week Ryan Tuberty pretty tone deaf uh, on all this issue. His His initial statement when this issue uh, first emerged was pretty widely derided tried to pass the book really back to RTE going oh nothing to do with me I don't know it's RTE's accounting problems and blah 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 and ended up 24 hours later having to issue an, an apology uh, and uh, he should have questioned more uh, what, what was being presented here and we're now seeing pretty much the same attitude from his replacement uh, Patrick Hilty so certainly the message doesn't seem to have got through to the big stars that there is a, a major issue here in terms of credibility uh, and trust. And look, you, you can say, look, Patrick Hilly is going to be presenting a chat show. It, it, it's a rather important role in Irish society. The guy who gets to appear before in people's living rooms on a Friday night, uh, kind of assessing the mood of the nation uh, for the week, knowing when people need a break from all the hassle going on and when they need to, to you know, delve into... Uh, the serious issues uh, of the week that, that might be pertaining to people but, but, and we saw that during COVID-19. Yeah, and actually you're, you're quite complimentary in one regard with regards to uh, Ryan Tuberty. You know, he handled much of that and the COVID thing, particularly at times when there was no audience there. Um, but then, of course, you're somewhat critical because uh, he didn't come out and uh, say, listen, I should have, uh, I should have um, put my hands up earlier and said, those figures are wrong, the published ones are wrong, I need to tell you the right ones. But you also think that maybe Keelty mightn't be the right man for the gig by virtue of the fact that he lives in London and you say that maybe he won't have his finger on the pulse of Ireland because he's not here. 
Well, I, I think he's shown that uh, in his attitude to the pay controversy. He thinks it's a bit of a giggle. Aha, I'll crack a one-liner here and I'll walk away and that's, that's my entire responsibility. So, yeah, the, the, the question, Mark, has been raised. Patrick Casey will, has lives in London. Yes, Irish true and true. Grew up in County Down, played the GAA. Uh, absolutely Im- embedded in, in Irish culture. A great success story. But he has lived uh, in, in London and L.A., for the last number of years and there has to be a question mark of, of like a guy who's living in London is he really got to be in touch uh, with the reality in the ground for people we, we don't you know he's a superstar uh, he's got a, a very successful uh, showbiz career as does his wife so he lives in a different sphere obviously but he has to be able to relate to the people who are his audience uh, if he's going to appear in their living rooms on a, on a on but a somebody Friday somebody said to me that no, but actually somebody said to me at the weekend that nobody on these insane amounts of public sector money, um, the likes of um, Ryan Tuberty's salary or Joe Duffy's salary or any of them, could relate to real living by virtue of the amount of money that they earn. Yeah, you, 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 living in a, in a different sphere, I suppose. At, at the very least, you'd expect that they'd, they'd be able to follow what's going on and what the, what the public mood uh, is. And if Patrick Casey thinks that this is a bit of a laugh, well, well then he's he's got that mood very definitely wrong. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of anger out there at the moment. And look, ultimately, if 345 grand was back in the RTE coffers, it wouldn't solve a whole lot of their their problems. They've got they've got fundamental problems now uh, in terms of their finances for for quite quite some time. They now have got a, a massive issue around a breach of trust. Uh, with their main stakeholders, who are um, the public and and public repre- representatives, mm. so all of all of those issues. Uh, do, you, do, do you think that Joe Duffy, Claire Byrne, Mary McCallaghan, Brendan O'Connor, Brian Dobson, Mary Wilson, Anya Lawler—they're just some of those who came out yesterday and gave their salary details. That they just want to—they di- did this because they want to distance themselves from this controversy, from this awful situation that they want nothing to do with it as in like nothing to see here with me don't even be talking I mean um, like, is it that they are they hanging out Ryan Tuberty to dry well I, I think those who have come forward and made made statements for example Sarah Byrne and, and Maria McCallaghan have said that they they're, they're appalled uh, by by what has, has come out they've used phrases like uh, heartbroken to see what's what's going on here in terms of the organisation that, that they work for and the turmoil that, that uh, it is going through as as is as are the staff uh, who they work with on, on a daily basis. So there is that level that probably like many other people, they didn't know uh, what was going on here and they, they wouldn't condone it. I mean, secondly, yeah, they do also need to be able to come out and say, uh, listen, this is, this is nothing, nothing to do with me. My my figures uh, are are accurate, and I wasn't involved in any of the practices uh, that we are now learning of. So that there's that there's those okay. two elements of the equation. Okay. I don't think it's entirely selfish and just saying, look, this is nothing to do with me. I think they also want to put honesty, their transparency on yes, record yes. as they are influential people because yeah. they're yeah. the ones who are talking to the nation. Okay, the just one or two, just one or two final questions that yeah. I haven't I haven't heard being asked before. Um, there are two committees. One tomorrow is the media committee, in which oh, you don't know who's going to turn up for that, whether D fours will be there or not. And then there's another one, the Oireachtas committee. Are they going to be televised? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, all those. You normally a, a, a committee 
will meet beforehand in in private, but as soon as anybody is appearing before it, it is uh, in, entirely uh, public. Uh, there are very rare exceptions uh, to 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 that rule, but in in this case, yeah, absolutely, they will they will be televised on Aractus TV, and I, I presume RTE will be having them on their own RTE news network uh, as well. So no, there's no question about that. They will, they'll be absolutely public. Okay. And the other point then is uh, you're saying that Patrick Kilty needs to come out or somebody needs to come out and say exactly what's been paid for the late late and that Ray Darcy needs to sometime soon also because he's in the in the top 10 also to come out and declare his salary. Yeah, he's quite high up the, the, the top 10. I noticed there was a there was a Finnegan statement out last night. I think it was from, from Colin Burke, TD from Cork North Central, uh, saying that Kilty needs to, to clarify this issue as well. And if he doesn't, then then RT need to need to do so. So I mean, the the, the rules of the game have changed quite simply because RT broke the rules. Uh, so you know, you, you can't expect that that you can just continue on now with, with business as usual. Okay. The, the reality is that the situation's changed. Okay, so um, we don't know as to whether D Forbes will actually attend. She's not compelled to I attend. I think so. I mean, the, the, she she was suspended. I mean, A, she was retiring, or she was departing anyway. Her term was up. She was then suspended. Uh, she has now resigned forthwith. So as far as she is concerned, she's gone from the organisation. And also she's, she's not inside in meetings. There's a preparatory meetings for getting the data together. Yeah. She also specifically referenced it in her statement yesterday that uh, the this this whole issue and the manner in which she says that she has been treated by the board has taken a, a heavy toll on her health uh, and, and well-being. So quite clear indication there that this has, has had an impact uh, on on her health, and therefore I, I don't see that the House of Directors are going to go chasing after for the simple reason that they have done this in the past. They have broken the law. Uh, in the the lawmakers have broken the law in terms of their their treatment uh, of individual of an individual appearing but, before them before, and that was Angela Kearns, and that's still going through the Supreme Court in terms of that issue ten years later. So I I, I don't see them trying to force. But how- but how will, they, how, how will they get any answers if D Forbes isn't there, if Ryan Tuberty isn't be, there, if Renault aren't yeah. there, if if Ryan Tuberty's agent isn't there? That's up to RT themselves. I mean, there are there are still people within the organisation who, according to D Forbes, were were involved in these talks. There are still obviously uh, paper and email records there uh, as well. So not really that hard to 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 trawl through. Uh, that correspondence uh, internally to to come up with answers. I mean, in effect, D Forbes did actually. She put a lot of information out there yesterday in terms of the rationale, uh, at the very least, behind this deal that was struck uh, with with Ryan Tuberty uh, and his representatives. So that that has served a a, a purpose. Uh, she also said that she led the negotiations in addition to having uh, advice. Uh, from other people within the organisation. So, you know, th- that answer there in terms of, well, who was ultimately responsible for this? Well, D Forbes then that, that, that she was. So that's, that's fine. In terms of the detail of of the, of the logistics of how it, how it came about and uh, is this happening in other cases, there's no reason why RTE, the, the, the remaining management, 
uh, and the board cannot answer those questions because all of that information is readily available to them. Okay, okay, appreciate the update on that and thank you Finan Sheehan uh, with the Irish uh, Independent text 0868 One of the individuals you mentioned there a couple of seconds ago uh, was Colin Burke TD, he joins me by phone. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Just picking up on one point there that Fionn made with regards to Patrick Keelty, um, you are also quoted as saying that he ne- he needs to, or is it RTE now need to tell us what he's being paid for the late late? Yeah, I think there has to be full disclosure at this stage. They, you know, there's too many questions left unanswered here, and I think uh, you know the general public, you know, we're their taxpayers, their licence fee payers, and they're entitled to know um, what's being paid out to individuals. And I think in this case, we now need to have full disclosure in relation to all issues, and in particular in relation to this matter. Okay. You're on the, correct me if I'm wrong, you're on the Public Accounts Committee, right? Yes, I'm on the Public Accounts Committee for the last three years. Okay. Um, Does that mean you're part of this, uh, this questioning on Thursday? Yes. Um, so the, we've invited in um, people in from RTE um, and I suppose, you know, the question arises um, about D Forbes. The, um, my view on this is that there were a number of people involved in RTE in signing off on this agreement that was on the legal side, but there was also on the accountancy side. So it's not just it's not just one person. So I believe that we need people in from the accountancy side because, as I understand it, this was an agreement whereby monies were paid out by a third party to um, to to the uh, RT presenter um, and not gone through the books. But there was an arrangement with the third party as regards how that was to be managed and I presume that would have all gone through the account system. Yeah, assuming that you're a solicitor, so this, I don't know whether you gave any thought at all to this business of send us a UK firm's invoice and mark it as consultancy fee. Is all that above board? No, I, in fact, I, I've spoken to accountants in the last 24 hours and, and, and to people uh, who are, uh, you know, experienced in company law. I'm not experienced in company law, but even though I'm a qualified solicitor, I wouldn't have done. Uh, com- Fair enough. Law. What do they tell you? And, well, what they're saying to me is that, say for argument's sake, the uh, agreement with the um, car, um, the, the, the company involved here was say, we're going to pay a million euros in advertising um, for the coming year, um, but we'll pay you 925,000 and you'll give us a credit note for the other 75 yes. and we'll pay the other 75 to someone else. Yeah. That's not full disclosure. And the company law people maintain to me that this should have been declared. In other words, it should have been declared that this was the full million euros that was paid over in advertising, but it was paid in two different ways, and this is how it was accounted for. Otherwise, we could have a scenario where we could have all sorts of different arrangements going on within companies as regards how uh, certain things are managed, and therefore there isn't full transparency. And and in this case, there wasn't full transparency, and basically I think it should have been a note in the accounts. So, so legally, what are the ramifications of that? Well, that's a matter that, that that's another day's work. Um, I think what we need to find out first of all: what were the arrangements? Who put them in place? What was the legal advice obtained at the time, and the accountancy advice? And was that advice in accordance with proper procedure? But surely, Colm, if D Forbes isn't there for either of the meetings, and a lot of different RTE heads are there, and I'm going to remain nameless in this regard. 
surely they'll just pile the blame on a woman who's not there to defend no, herself. See, because this was more than one person involved here. There had to be someone from the account section. There had to be someone from the legal section in RT dealing with this matter. This was not just done by one person. But and I'm absolutely convinced on this because, you know, so therefore, I think while, they, you know, it would be great if we had Dee Forbes there, and I would hope that she would be able to come into the uh, committee to give what she understood why it was done this particular way. But I think that may not happen. But I don't think that the RT can hide from us the uh, how this arrangement was made. This was not done by just one person. Yeah, but that's highly unlikely. You're not, you're not expecting her to be there. I mean, she'd be prepping with RT if that were the case. Absolutely, but, you know, I presume her legal advice is, you know, there may be um, legal ramifications uh, as a result of all of this. Uh, we need to say as little as possible until such time as we, feel, we see what way this is going to go. And, I mean, we also have to be careful in the Public Accounts Committee because of the Angela Kearns case and the judgment in that. So, uh, in fact, I've just got a copy of the uh, the judgment in that. I know there's some, uh, some matters outstanding in that as well, but I need to carefully read it to make sure that we stay within the terms of that uh, judgment that was issued earlier as well. So we have to be careful as a, as committee members as well. As to how you uh, handle witnesses or those as, that as are how to, As to how we handle witnesses. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's extremely important. Um, and it's about trying to get information with at the same time staying within the rules and getting that information. Okay. Do you, as a, as a politician, member of government, uh, sitting TD, part of the coalition, do you think that RT is no longer fit for purpose? That you know it can't be a public broadcaster and be involved in a lot of commercial activity like it is. At the end of the day, uh, they need to be the one or the other. Either work with the license fee or survive solely on advertising. You can't have both. Well, I think the problem with RT is that they can't survive on one or the other. That's the problem because you know of a whole lot of people who are employed in RT um, and if you remove the commercial side, then you will have a situation where you will have to make a lot of people redundant. Um, And likewise, if you remove the licence fee side, you'll end up with the same situation because you've now built up a whole dependency on the income coming in both from the commercial side and from the licence fee side. Now, there is an issue, though, if you take, say, your own station, you're totally reliant in real terms on the commercial side, and it's a very difficult market, and, you know, therefore, costs have to be carefully monitored and controlled. Uh, I'm not sure if the same thing applied in RT. And, well, how know, could it if they gave a €50 million euro bung to ad agencies to direct advertising their way? Uh, how is yep. that a fair play? pitch? Well, I suppose what they're trying to do, well, it's not a, playing, a, a fair playing pitch when you're dealing with the commercial sector when, you know, the likes of your own station, the likes of all the other smaller stations, plus the the private TV um, channels as well, are finding it very hard to compete with that. Um, and it's about trying to get a level playing field. And obviously, we'll have to look at all of this in light of what has occurred here, in light of the fact that this is a public sector, um, you know, providing a service, and yet 
you know, all the rules that you're required to comply with and that I'm required to comply with weren't necessarily complied with here in this case. Okay, let's see what happens in the coming days. Uh, but certainly your front and centre saying, amongst other things, uh, Keelty needs to... Are you, are you saying the same about uh, perhaps at some stage Ray Darcy will give his figure also? I think, yeah, I think we need... I think the public... Uh, it's because... You know, there's so much money coming in from the German public to support RT okay. and the licensee collection. Then there's need for full transparency, you know. And, you know, I remember being interviewed by one person a, a long time ago um, giving out about my income um, to find that, you know, a number of years later the person was on something eight times yeah, <laughs> what yeah. I, what I, the same as you being interviewed and you being interviewed by someone who was earning eight times more than it's you, about the glass house and stones really isn't it yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and yeah. I mean it, it's extremely important now that there's full transparency we have it in the political scenario now in the sense that we have to file a statement at the start of, of the year setting out our interest in any company or any building or any property and you know there is full disclosure and rightly so because Previously, we had a situation where people misused their positions in the public, in uh, as public representatives, and therefore, that's the reason why that was brought in, and rightly so. Now that there is full disclosure. So, if people, if there are confessions, say for instance tomorrow or on Thursday, where people admit what they did and take responsibility for it, should heads roll in that regard? Then is that a dismissal? Well, that's that's another day's work. That's a matter for the minister as regards what comes out of the various um, inquiries and what comes out at public accounts committee and. And just for the general public, all committees at the Dole um, are broadcast live every day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, so anyone can tune in to the uh, Public Accounts Committee. We normally sit on Thursdays, 9.30 to 12.30 on Thursday morning. We then have uh, another session at one thirty. Part of that is private, part of it is, is public. The reason why part of it is private is because if correspondence comes before us, which in, other, in, in, in some way or other it may libel someone, we have to be very careful. I understand that part of it, I understand. That's the reason why that section of it is private. But most of our meetings are in public. And likewise, if anyone is in, comes to Linster House, there is um, members of the general public can actually physically attend at um, at committee meetings as well. Now, there's a limited number of places in the public gallery within the committee room, but there are places there for for people. I, I would imagine on on um, on Thursday it will be very much occupied by the media as well. Okay, certainly televised. Right. Many will be watching. Thank you for that, okay. Colin Burke TD. He also will be he's be a member of the Public Accounts Committee and will be asking questions. Uh, your questions, please. Text 0868104106 or at least your thoughts and opinions. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Remember the TV license inspectors way back in the day? We were in short pants. There was these vans used to go around. They were fake. There was us. didn't work. And they had these aerials that uh, spun around on the roof. And apparently they were driving through estates. And they could tell a bit like the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. They could tell those of you that didn't have a television license. I was reminded of that this morning. Which says uh, Somebody says, how could you trust a company that sent out vans back in the 1960s? 70s with yokes sticking out of them to scare people into buying licenses by making them believe these vans could detect you watching a television. It was all a massive hoax. 
to fool people for not having a television license. Thank you so much for reminding me of that. Uh, morning. Um, uh, a lot of conspiracy theorists uh, think, thinking that there's a particular reason as to why Pat Kenny is off the air this week, uh, keeping well away from the RT scandal, says Aidan and Cargilline. Did you ever think that the man might just be on his holidays like it's summertime? It wasn't it a single mother recently uh, jailed in Limerick and she was also sent to Mount Joy from Limerick? Yes, she was. Uh, and she had a shocking few days before they eventually realised their mistake and her dad came up and brought her home again. The only comment I can make on the RT affair and other issues in our country is that if we only knew half of the cronyism going on in our country, we'd never even get out of bed in the morning. So thank you for those. One or two more. With every day that passes, RT loses more and more credibility. RT must come clean in owning up and fessing up. The longer it goes on, the more danger will be done. RT are not royalty. And that is their fundamental problem. They think that they are, says Morris. Another one here. I think I saw years ago that there are over 200 people in RT earning well over 100 grand a year. I'd love to know what they are all doing, looking at what company car they get next, I suppose. So we'll come back to that and lots more besides after 10 this morning. Lovely thought there from Michael, people reminiscing. I was talking about uh, Arcadia Hall, which is student accommodation at the moment. They were refused permission to flip it to residential. And I was talking about the golden age of the Arcadia. Michael says, just a note on the, on the Arcadia ballroom. You too had their first, first ever sellout gig at the Arcadia. Bono often mentions this during his many interviews, says Michael. Well, we can also claim that then, that we launched the career of you too here on Leaside. Uh, text 0868104106. The statement Neil made about eating late at night is absolute lies. Why talk about something that you have no qualifications in? Well, you're entitled to your opinion, as I suppose, and everyone else is. From from my own personal standpoint and point of view, it made a huge difference in losing weight. There was a time when I was coming in at, say, maybe 97 uh, kilos back in the day. If you're 97 kilos and comfortable with it, that's fine by me. I wasn't, but one of the things that I did was I did restrict the times that I ate. Uh, and it all, my understanding of it is that it's all got to do with metabolism. It's all about being able to burn off the calories. It's the reason why breakfast is a very important meal. Um, maybe the point you're making, although if you want to come on air, you can do so, is that in Mediterranean countries eat much later at night. And that, that's a valid point. Mind you, I would imagine that their diet is probably uh, healthier than ours. Uh, anyway, your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. I bring a... Uh, you know, I was talking about what do you bring on your holidays when you go overseas? Uh, certainly tea bags and rashers and sausages if, if it's self-catering. I bring a, suit, a full suitcase of everything from cereal bars to treats, to my wadi. Uh, my son has ASD and won't try anything at all. Crisps would be another one, isn't it? Whatever it is about our European compadres, they've never got it right with crisps. Everywhere you go across Europe and the Med, it's Lay's, L-A-Y-S. They're grand, but they're not Tato-like. I was sitting on the boat once way over in Turkey, way out in the ocean. It was just a beautiful day and everybody was bamming out and enjoying themselves. And there was two women. I won't do the accents for fear that people think that I'm mocking people. One Dublin woman said to the other, it's grand, it's grand, it's grand, she says. But I really miss the spud. <laughs> really miss the spud. Either way, back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Now, the 
Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. We're talking about summer and things across the summer. There's an interesting story in the Star today that talks about the money that we spend on different things that are very much um, you know, in vogue or popular during the summer. And one is beer. And the other, of course, is the likes of burgers and sausages and what have you. So consumers spent an additional 2.9 million euro on beer and lager over the four weeks of that hot heat wave weather that we had. Automatically. That's what we do. That's what we do. We make the most of it. We get out there and we, we hijack the weather and we say, how can we enjoy this even more? So it would be beer, maybe chilled wine or cider, I suppose, and stuff like that. But certainly 1.9 million more was spent on chilled burgers and grills and nearly 1.2 million was spent on fresh sausages alone. <laughs> so we certainly know how to celebrate when the good weather comes along. Of that, you can't be sure. But how about you celebrating with a 400 euro voucher? Uh, and you could win one because we have them to give away every day this week. Started yesterday with the furniture centre on the Watercourse Road. So it's a 400 euro voucher. We had a tie yesterday, so they decided to split the voucher 200 euro each. But if you win outright, the 400 is all yours. So I'll be playing 30 seconds with you. So we'll have two callers just before midday today. Uh, we'll play 30 seconds. I'll be giving you the hints as best I can. It's a nerve-wracking game for me because I want to help as best I can without wrecking it for someone. And whoever answers the most correct wins the 400 euro voucher when we play 30 seconds a little later on. Courtesy of ourselves in the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road. 40 years in Blackpool. Uh, free delivery, free assembly, and what I love, free removal of the old stuff, the old furniture that you no longer uh, want. So you can get further details on what's on sale at thefurniturecentre.ie. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Uh, I'm going to talk to Dougie in a second. A couple of quick shout-outs, though. Please say good morning and a happy request, special request for our great friend, Michael Bracken from Deer Park, who's 80 years young today. He's another avid listener to your programme every single morning. And that came in from John and Deirdre Bowen in Mayfield. So happy birthday, Michael Bracken. Have a great day. And thanks for listening, Pat. Thanks for listening. Uh, actually got another one in here for a happy birthday to Pauline Doyle in Grange and Douglas. A big fan of the show. You've spoken to her on air a couple of times. She's 90 today as Pauline. So happy birthday, Pauline. She reared her children in a small house in Douglas Village where we had a great childhood. She celebrated it last Saturday night in Douglas GA Club and we couldn't get her off the mic. <laughs> Her sister and brother-in-law who live in Germany are staying with her at the moment in Grange for a holiday. And she's a huge fan, listens to you every day. Even those in Germany listen every day in Nuremberg. I think she'd also love a mention. Best wishes to her from her daughter Miriam, sons Jimmy, Kevin and John, along with their wives and husbands and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. So another birthday request, a special one also for Pauline Doyle, who's 90 today. Have a happy, happy birthday. So many people love you and why wouldn't they? Thank Thank you, Linda. She came back. Do you remember the story of the breakfast roll, what Linda did be getting from Centra on the Kinsale Road? And it was shocking. Uh, and we had her on air and we had the photographs and we got on to Centra and we got a response from them. Uh, and I passed on her details to Centra. She came back to me this morning saying, Morning, Neil. Got a call from Aidan, or sorry, Adrian, the store manager of Centra on the Kinsale Road on Friday evening to apologise what happened with my unpleasant breakfast roll. He also told me he was sending me a 50 euro Centra voucher in the post, which I received yesterday morning with thanks. Let's hope everyone has learned something from this experience. I certainly have. Many thanks. And it is thank you for that, Linda. Thanks for coming back. It's good to to, to round off the story. Um, And I think it is a lesson to everybody who is serving the public. Please, please, don't be mean. 
particularly with the ingredients or the filling that you put into sandwiches or breakfast rolls. Be kind and be generous and give plenty of it, but make sure the quality is great. Don't send somebody out the door knowing that what you gave them wasn't fit for purpose or you shortchanged them with what you were putting into it because it's dear enough as it is. So hopefully everybody will learn. Morning, I'm like Noel Gallagher. I'm also a pillow thief in hotels. I take a pillow with me to hotels. A number of years back, I took the pillow cover off the hotel pillow. It was scary, black in patches. A hotel pillow has a different person each night breathing into it. One of the most unhygienic things in a room. Great show, guys. So while you're not a pillow thief, you bring your own pillow because you just get the heebie-jeebies thinking of what it must be like when you take the pillowcase out and what you saw. Because everybody's sleeping on the pillow and all that's separating you from the rest of the world is a pillowcase, or as my mother used to say, a pillar case. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Busy morning as usual. Dougie, good morning. Morning, Neil. And everyone, of course, many, many people bring this back to having to pay the television license fee, the entertainment tax, as they call it these days. Your thoughts on that? Well, in my opinion, Neil, if they made a pay-per-view, okay, I give the people a choice. Like, you, you call it an entertainment tax. Like, I pay, I pay for my broadband, okay? I, I choose what I want to watch. I pay for Netflix on that. I pay for Spotify that I listen to on that. So that's my choice. I don't have a choice, but I have to pay this TV license for exorbitant rates for the likes of poverty. Like, I mean, a couple of hours a week for the money he gets, like, and, and I don't begrudge it to him. I mean, a consultant can go away and get paid for, for work. Well, people yeah, are but becoming to begrudge it when it's taxpayers' money. Even the staff within RTE are saying that all of those top salaries should be capped. I think the figure they gave me was 208 grand, max. It's still, it's still, it's still exorbitant. Like, let's let's face it, Neil. For, for what for what he does, or for what anyone does like that. I mean, let's get back to the consultant who puts a lot of years in, okay? And 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 you pay him one hundred and sixty plus for ten fifteen minutes. I think he deserves that. Like, Topper, he doesn't deserve what he gets, you know. And I don't have a choice, but I have to pay that. But I can tell you, Neil, I won't be paying it anymore. And and that's and that's a fact. I rather I rather I rather sit inside myself now than than, than pay that. There's a damn good chance that you will, though, sit inside in a cell because if oh, you've paid yeah. it in and the I past... Know, I haven't even got a parking ticket, like. Yeah. I, I, I haven't even got a parking ticket. But, like, I mean, this, this, where, where do we draw a line to send here? Where, 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 where does it stop? I mean, it's, it's starting at the top of the politicians and cronyism and all this, and here we are back down to RT, which is, let's, let's face it, no, like, I'd rather paint the ceiling in the bathroom and watch it try. Uh, you're not interested in the in the six one news, which is quite strong. You're not interested in prime time. Prime time investigates. No, you're not no, interested I'm not in interested some of the Willy Wonka, the chocolate factory, or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Not or I'm not I'm talking not. about the ridiculous plague of repeats. I'm saying that when they do things right, they do them very right. It's a great, like for instance, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Nationwide, but I watched a cracking episode of it last week on Donnerail House and the people of Donnerail and the businesses on Donnerail. Uh, and I thought it was it was it was Anne Casson did it. It was very good. So but, that, they, but that, that's your choice. I, 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 I have a choice, but well, I choose not to watch it. And, I, and, and why should I pay for it? Okay. I mean, we call, they, they move the goalposts and they call it a broadcasting charge or, or, or whatever they, they call it. Yeah, it's, it's and, something and, like that, broadcasting charge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 no, 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 I have to pay for my broadband so I can watch my programs that I choose to watch. Not, yeah, not, I accept what you're saying that you, 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 you probably pay for, you, you said you pay for Netflix. I think you said you also pay for extra for Disney+. Plus. Others have Prime. Um, you know, there are lots of other options which you choose to pay for. You have to pay for your broadband, of course, um, to watch them for. Um, um, yes. you, you also listen to maybe radio stations like this, which you don't have to pay for. You might watch Virgin Media. You don't have to 
they don't get any of the license fee either. It all goes to RT, and you say you don't watch it at all. No, I, I genuinely, Neil, I, I haven't turned on RT since my, my, RT has been on my house since my mother passed away, I mean, a year and a half ago. Yeah. It has never been on the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, nobody, nobody watches it. And Neil, the other thing, like, I, I work two jobs in, in order to pay my bills. And, and then you see, you see the likes of these exorbitant figures being, being splashed around the place. It's, it's madness, and it's not fair. It's not fair on the public, Neil, and it's certainly not fair on me. Okay, so what? Do you, what so one thing is the license fee; the other is the exorbitant salaries. What, what, what yes. do you want done with the I exorbitant salaries? I said this is the tip of the iceberg. I'd say if, if, if somebody starts delving into them accounts and doing all that, I'd say I'd say it's going to be it's going to be made. Well, it, that's what's going to have to happen. In fact, I see in the mail this morning that they're saying that RTE are going to be obliged to go back fifteen years, which you go back to crazy days when there was one or two of them in there that were on nine hundred thousand. Pounds at the time, nine hundred thousand pund probably. Um, but the question is, yes, Neil, if if it did go back to my comment, like if it did become pay per view, do you honestly believe that that RT could survive? No, just it wouldn't survive. It wouldn't lot. survive. It just wouldn't. No, 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 no. no. And, and there you go. Therefore, it's not fit for purpose, Neil. It's genuinely not fit for purpose. Get rid oh, of it. Yeah. Okay. You don't think we need an independent public sector broadcaster that should only survive on license fee and not have advertising? Maybe no. Wouldn't survive either. Well, I mean, if 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 it got advertising and general public were interested, they would watch it. So therefore, they would make their revenue out of advertising. You know, okay. So people don't watch it because it's not worth watching. You're saying? No, agreed. Okay, okay. And you, are you genuinely not going to pay it? Genuinely not. Genuinely not. So here's what will happen. Because I was late once or twice paying it. A chap calls to the door. Very nice. They're really nice, and they just say, "Look, just a gentle reminder: your television license is out of date. It's maybe two or three months out of date." Um, uh, would, you, would you think you might be able to get it sorted and I'll come back in a week and if they come back in a week and you still haven't it sorted then you get a red letter warning um, I've had all of these things you get a red letter warning and then I paid it I was dragging it out because I was so fed up of paying the damn thing but if you don't pay the red letter then uh, it goes to court right uh, nobody, nobody calls to the door until it goes to court and if you're not there and you don't show up or do anything like that that's when a warrant is issued by uh, the court and the judge sends the guardie to arrest you. That's what will happen. Yeah, I know. And I suppose I'm going to put my head in. I know it's a oh, no, are you all right with that? Are you all right with that? No. Okay. So you're going to no, pay it? No, are you going to pay it now? Because this is a criminal offence. But isn't it isn't that criminal about what's been happening to me? No, I mean, not paying and a licence fee for a television shouldn't be a criminal offence. It should be a civil matter, surely. Well, I mean, like, I mean, I'm not using it. It's not fit for purpose, Neil. The, 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 the RTE is not fit for purpose. It hasn't been for a long time. It's been hemorrhaging money since God knows when. And, and, and we know now why. And, 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 and now I have to pay for something that I don't use or that I don't want. I, I couldn't care less if I never saw RTE for, the, for my remainder. Be, well, we all, we all have to pay it. Not everybody does. And a lot of people pay it begrudgingly. Again, um, having outlined what possibly, uh, having outlined to you just finally as to possibly what it might happen to you, are you going to pay it now? I don't know, Neil. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. Like you know, I mean, I mean, if you put a gun to my head, like for a fellow, you know, that I have never been in trouble. I mean, the threat of that alone is, is, is enough, like you know. But isn't at, it? The same, at the same time, it's, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. Isn't it? Thanks for that, Dougie. Take care, pal. Passionate point of view. Appreciate it, John. Good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? Of course, we touched on this a few weeks ago. This this new GAA Go business where RTE now make you pay to watch hurling and football. 
what's what's public sector broadcasting like when they make you pay for, say, for instance, a cork tip hurling match? Is it? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say no. This is our team here to pay. It is a, this is a, the GA goes in conjunction. It is a, a collaboration between the GA itself and RT. We can blame RT for a lot of things, but in fairness, to, um, this all GA go to battle. It isn't the fault of RT. It's a collaboration, a cooperation between. Yeah, but RT. who who makes the money out of it? Oh, I presume the GA, course. And RT. Oh, well, yeah, but the GA have the rights, as you know, the GA have the broadcasting rights of all GA games, yeah. so they can give them to whoever they want, TJ Carroll or team. In the past, you had Sky, they are gone. So when Sky were gone, then they came up with the concept. And even before Sky went, and in fairness now, the concept behind GA Go was mighty for people living all over the world who had no other way of getting any matches because they wouldn't be able to get ordinary terrestrial television. And I know people living in Africa and America and Australia, and it was absolutely a fantastic service. And that's what the GSA initially set it up for, to, to broadcast the games to what we call the diaspora, scattered all over the world. And I have no problem with that, and I think it should continue. But then this year, by sleight of hand, they suddenly took an offer of very popular games that would normally be on free-to-air and put them on this paywall from Diego. And even if I, like I said in the comment to you there, it's not so much about the 12 euro having to pay. That's one issue. But even if people were mad anxious to pay, there's hundreds and hundreds, thousands of houses all over this country, county, and in my own parish, where we haven't adequate broadband, where you haven't the app, where even if you did want to pay, if you want, no matter what you wanted to pay, you couldn't see these bloody games the, on Diego. You the match is genuinely gone to you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it, like, and... Like this weekend now, like the, when the controversy arose there, I want to go about some of the best matches and most of them not being on. The GSA did review it as the year went on. Now we're coming to the very, very, very latter end of the football championship. There's only four this weekend. There's so Ty- Tyrone and Kerry and Armagh and Monaghan are GAA yeah. go, are they? That's right, yeah. That's okay. right. On, 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 on Saturday, like Tyrone and Kerry now, surely we've got a match that half the country would want you to see. There's a great rivalry between them, north and south. Tyrone have had um, the tabs over Kerry with a couple of years. Everybody would want to see that. So unless you are in a position to be able to pay it, like the paying is one thing, but even if you wanted... I know I know, now, without doing any research, there are thousands of homes in Kerry, thousands of people who will be unable to go to Dublin on Saturday evening to view the match. They physically won't be able to go. But there are thousands of them who haven't got the facilities to see it. Simple as that. There's no point in the GA saying they're building up. A, Listen, I uh, know I know rural areas of West Cork and South Kerry where the broadband is so bad that their handheld machines for your um, credit cards don't work because the broadband is so bad. Yeah, and just patchy even. I know people know that watch some of those matches on GA Go and they said you could be watching for 10 minutes then it starts buffering, then it stops. I mean, like the whole issue of broadband, even mobile coverage. I'm talking to you here now in one room in the house. If I went up to the kitchen, I'd have no coverage. I wouldn't be able to talk to you at all. I mean, the, our broadband would be very, very patchy. But even hidden to simple, enough, there's, thousands, there's still thousands, people must imagine, there's still thousands of households who simply have a television. They have a television in the house and they'd like to turn on the television. They don't, they, they don't know anything or don't want to anything through it. Apps are downloading. And are you meeting apps. lots of fans of hurling and football around the country who are saying that? I am meeting hundreds of them who are absolutely livid. They are absolutely livid. And like in this, you said initially, we can't say, oh, it's all RT's fault. It's all RT's fault. It's not. This is a decision made in the cold light of day between the GA and RT. I'm not saying it's anybody's fault. I'm just talking about the reality of this, that this is a service that's provided by RT and the GAA. It's subscription-based, of which both of them make money out of it. That's right. 
and the point about it is that like for ordinary GA fans around the country not every, everybody would love to be at all the matches in Croke Park but just for physical reasons and, and the cost of going up to Dublin half lot of them wouldn't so I mean we're now at the latter stages whatever they might say about the early stages how well these are only kind of round robin games but now you're at the latter stages you're at the, like the teams that are going to be playing on television on Saturday night and behind this famous wall Jay Gowal two of them won't be seen on television anymore this year and the reason behind it they're saying is that uh, we mentioned those two matches in fairness to you it's a subscription based sports channel aimed at an international market and the Irish diaspora around the world well I'm absolutely delighted for them but it also means that people in Ireland can't watch the match because it's behind a paywall and and, and, And shouldn't have to pay 12 euro for a match no and the point is like it's not any other because I mean it was available for the diaspora and they were delighted with it the last couple of years and there was no problem so they, they can make the excuse we can't segregate one from the other because obviously it was available those matches were available to the diaspora and they could pay so I mean if the J choose I mean I don't know whether RT would refuse what RT asked to cover those matches on Saturday and broadcast them I don't know I don't know because the draws were only made Monday but having said that the RT cameras would be there for the matches Sunday it's in Croke Park to be different if they were in rural venues but the, 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 cam, the two matches Sunday are being broadcast so the matches Saturday evening could have been broadcast just as easy and to satisfy thousands. Well, uh, they could also have, they could also attended for the uh, GAA matches uh, and paid the GAA for the rights to broadcast the matches on RT television platforms, where yeah, everybody who was and, paying and, their license fee could watch yeah, them. Yeah, and and obviously they'll say then, oh, well, all this tendering business and all this sale of matches that was all done months and months ago. But like, like that's not good enough excuse because when this came up. Uh, six weeks ago with the Munster matches, the Munster Championship matches. Well, I mean, if the GA, surely because God didn't decide that there was a lot of very angry people out there and they said, lads, look, we're going to have quarterfinals now at the end of June, we better try and do something about that. But no, they're setting their hands and what's the excuse the GA offer? We'll have a look at this at the end of the year. Yeah, and isn't it a wonderful thing, you actually say it in your email, that uh, worse to the effect that it's supposed to be an amateur association built on the sweat and efforts of volunteers over 140 years. It's a right kick in the teeth, isn't it? I'd be kind of emotional, I'd be upset over it because, I mean, like the GA's built on that, as I said there in the email, we don't expect expenses, we don't get travel expenses, we don't get junkets, we don't get free tickets. I'm talking, who's we? I'm talking about the general huge mass of people who every single week give hours and hours of their time for GA clubs from young fellas up. Other sports do too, I'm not saying that, of course, soccer and rugby do it as well, but I'm talking from a GA perspective. And, and then when you have attractive games that come up we are treated like this, like mm. it's like a kick in the teeth. Mm. They're basically saying, like, what should we don't kind of give a damn about you, fellas? Put your hand in your pocket once again, even though we're doing it all our life, and we don't mind doing it all our life to support our club and our county. But to be have to do it then again to watch games, uh, high-profile games like this, is the ultimate insult. The ultimate ultimate insult from the GA, given by the GA to its own members on the ground. Well said. Thank you for that. Thank Much obliged, John. Regards to you all in Bartholomew. Strong okay. words. Appreciate it. Uh, GAA go. And I suppose, like everything, over time you'll find more and more will go behind a paywall. That happened with, with, uh, with uh, the print industry. Newspapers decided that print was dying off and less and less people were buying newspapers. And less and less young people will buy newspapers. There'll come a stage when everything will be uh, on the uh, online service. But they started to put the odd story behind the paywall. But over time, more and more went behind them. So much so now that if you're be, like a good example of that could well be the Examiner, for instance, or indeed the uh, Irish Independent, neither of which I, I subscribe to. But, uh, you know, I do watch different news channels, I'm sorry, news platforms online. Uh, but, you know, over the past six months or so, you find that 
pretty much everything now is behind a paywall but they're saying look well we have to it's the only way we're going to survive people aren't going to buy papers so we've got to make money in another way um, I think the same will happen with GA Go that more and more matches over time probably are going behind it when ultimately slowly but surely it will all end up that way back to the phone lines we go James good morning good morning uh, why Neil. are we a, a nation of begrudgers in what yes. way yes we're known all over the world for that Neil Right, we're okay. well known for that I mean I've spoken to many people who've come to live here in Ireland, what we call foreign nationals, and they've already spotted that nail, that we don't like a lot of people. No, I'm not one of them. I'm sure you're not one, but there are people who are don't like people earning more than they earn. I never had that uh, fault myself. I have a lot of faults, but I, I, I like to see people doing well. I, uh, if you're earning whatever you're earning, Neil, if you've got four times what you're earning, I'd say, good, good on you, Neil. Yeah, in the, well, in, in the private sector, in the commercial world, where it's not public money or taxpayers' money, um, drive on, you know, make as much as you can, be as successful as you can. And people will, um, unfortunately, uh, in Ireland, some of them will begrudge that or they will have nasty things to say in it. Yes, but, yes. But this is yes. entirely different, though. This is lying. This is deceit, right? This well, is, we have to uh, be careful about preempting the investigation now, Neil. I, it's as plain as day. It's a plain as day that what was published was not accurate. So um, there was loads of opportunities to correct it. Nobody did. So to me, that's a lie. Well, uh, that's the way you look at it, Neil. But as far as the RT is concerned, I have no problem paying my licence. I'm an old-age pensioner, and I will pay it, no problem. It's uh, 40 cent a day, Neil, as I said to Seamus there. What do you get for 40 cent a day, Neil? You wouldn't get a packet of crisps for it. No, you, you wouldn't, know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, RT does... Good, good. There's good stuff, Neil. I, I, I saw that program you're talking about. I'm a regular watcher of Nationwide. I thought it was brilliant about Donnerail Court. Saw a very good and one on um, the Lighthouses of Ireland. I think RT yes. commissioned it. Was a cracking. It was a cracking series. Saw another yes. fella on the air who went down by. A, he took a hundred and fifty year old. Curruck, kind of one of those yeah. Navogues, and he brought it all the way down the west coast of Ireland. It's a fabulous documentary series. Oh, I've watched Nationwide for years. I like watching Anne Casson and. Um, Mary Kennedy when she was there they were good people there's a lot of good people in RT as you know uh, Neil and also as far as Tubbery is concerned we must remember also that Ryan Tubbery has raised huge amounts of money for charity on his late late show huge amounts he, once Christmas there he raised six million for Pieta House uh which was wonderful, and he raises huge money for St. Vincent de Paul, and it's because of him. People give that money, not because of the late or RT, because people seem to like him. Mm, well, uh, they probably also want to contribute to good causes like St. Vincent yes, de Paul. Yes, and uh, also we must remember these salaries that are coming out, they're gross salaries, uh, Neil, they're not taking home uh, if, uh, if uh, Claire Byrne is getting 280,000, what is she taking home, Neil? That's mm. the important thing, you know? If, She's not if, taking home 280,000. I don't, I don't know, I don't I don't know your age and I don't wish to know it. I'm an old age pensioner, Neil. Yeah, but I've been be... watching RT since Gayburn started, Neil. Okay, but <laughs> that be under 65 or over 70 or, or what? Well, I'm over 70. Yeah, so, over, but yeah. you, so isn't it free then? I still pay it, Neil. I thought it was free. You're entitled to a free television. Yes, place. but I still pay it because I want to support uh, our national broadcaster. So you don't pay have to pay it, but you do pay it. Yes, I do, Neil. I do. Is that what, is, what is it? 40 cent a day? I'm not going to break me one way or the other. Well, that's, like somebody, that's like somebody giving a doctor 60 euro for a visit when you have a medical card. That makes no sense. 
Well, it's, it's, it's a contribution, Neil. It's a contribution to the national broadcaster. Well, uh, you must remember, what are we going to have if we get rid of our national broadcaster? If the president or the teacher want to address the nation, they're going to have to ask the BBC to come over with cameras, you know? Are we going to be like a little, our next-door neighbour has a, a, a national broadcaster? Are we going to be the poor relation without a national broadcaster? The next-door neighbour with the national broadcaster does not take advertising. Yes, well, that, that is paid, obviously paid for by the state. Yeah, it's paid by the licence. The taxpayer, yeah. the taxpayer. Yeah, yeah. So RT has both. they got fingers in every pie. We have to have a national broadcaster, otherwise we're just, you know, we're just a banana republic without our own national broadcaster. And anything that is keeps our identity in this... Well, no it's a national broadcaster that gave 50 million in bongs to um, um, uh, advertising agencies that did side deals with advertisers to pay broadcasters 75 grand a year that asked for, um, some, kind of, and gave, and some, asked for some kind of an invoice from a UK company and marked it as consultancy fees. That, that actually sounds like a banana republic to me. Well, that's the, listen, we know for a long time now, uh, Neil, that business is business, politics is politics. We know what goes on. It doesn't make any difference to my day-to-day world what goes, what, if Ryan Tubley gets an extra 50,000. makes no difference to me, Neil, one way or the other. It doesn't make any difference to you. You'll be getting your salary. Everybody else out there working will be getting their salary. It doesn't make any difference to me. What I would like to see is that we retain a national broadcaster. First of all, also, I have an interest in that being a Catholic, they're the only station that gives any recognition to the Catholic Church, Neil. No other station does. Uh, we'll be waiting for uh, uh, Sky or BBC to broadcast Mass on a Sunday morning for all the elderly people who are in nursing homes who can't get to a Mass. But, that's, but, but that's, that's called public sector broadcasting. Uh, there's yeah. a screen. Oh, actually, funnily enough, here's a screen. There's an RT screen here. I've got lots of them in the studio. One is Mass from the Church of St. Teresa at Valencia Island, County Kerry. Live Mass. Um, I, and I suppose that is the kind of services that you expect from a public sector broadcaster. Yes, and that's why I want to retain it, Neil. Uh, yeah. And because the elderly people in nursing homes look forward to seeing that because they can't get out to mass. I don't think anybody uh, really has a particular issue with what public sector broadcasting should be like, but they want the figures that are actually published to be accurate and the truth. That's all. Yes, I, I, yes we, we, I have to agree with that. Yes, they should be uh, accurate, but uh, uh, I wouldn't... It's, it's not, for example, the thing that worries me at the moment, O'Neill. I'm far more worried about uh, that we're on the cusp of World War III. You know, that, that's actually far more worrying to me, Neil. I can assure you. So you're not particularly a... bothered that the national broadcaster um, would publish figures year after year after year that are untrue? Well, the, the, the figures for all of the other broadcasts were true for Claire, uh, Claire Daly. Uh, Claire everybody can yeah. find out what, what's, what Claire Daly was. Claire Byrne. Claire Byrne, yeah. Sorry, Claire Byrne. Joe Duffy. Uh, that, uh, that was all common knowledge. That can be found out by anyone, you know, Neil. So uh, the only person we have a trouble with is, is with Ryan Tuberty and uh, that extra money he was getting. But the rest of the, of the people like Claire Byrne and uh, Joe Duffy and Brendan O'Connor, our own Brendan O'Connor, all of that has been... Uh, all above board. What they were getting is what they were getting. Okay, okay, okay. Appreciate that. As always, Thanks, text always six eight one zero four one zero six. Thank you, James. Incidentally, during the twenty twenty toy show, they raised six point five million euro for three children's charities: Bernardo's, the Children's Health Foundation, and Children's Books Ireland. Uh, they raised five million the following year in twenty twenty one. Yes, the vehicle as in the vehicle of the Late Late Show toy show, managed to do that. And everybody loves the toy show and everybody loves Ryan Tuberty on it. He really has made it his own. 
no issues there whatsoever. But at the end of the day, it was the people of Ireland that actually gave the money uh, to all of those charities via the vehicle of the uh, Late Late Toy Show. Uh, Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil, how are you? Good, my man. Just pick up on this. Go ahead. Area, um, area just, well, it's a complete mess anyway, first of all. But I mean, I'm an avid radio listener. And by night, I'd always have um, Dan Creedon from Cork. I yeah. think he does it. He does a fantastic music show. He does, show. yeah. I, I fine have, show, have, great guy, super broadcaster. I, I'd honestly say I never heard a more deflated presenter than I heard last night. Why, do you think it's got to him? Totally down in the dumps, Neil. You could, you, it came across so clearly that I think the whole staff are just totally disheartened, um, disenchanted, whatever you want to call it. They just feel so left down, let down, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. So it's clear. I mean... Yeah, you, you, got, you got to him. You, you, you got that sense, like, that he was deflated. Well, like. not, not just the sense, because I know people who know John very well, and they, I was talking to a few of them, and they were saying that they were even talking to him yesterday. And it sounded like... For once ever, he didn't even want to be in, be going in there. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, he's totally disheartened. I think not just him. Could you imagine a producer on his show who's probably on what, 20, 30 grand, a normal wage even, and yeah. to find out this this has gone on there, like, yeah, yeah. And I, I That's know what James is, yeah. I can understand what James is saying there, and especially due to the age bracket, but paying for a license when you're entitled to a free one. I mean, well, I suppose incredible. it just goes to the courage of the convictions. He says he pays it, even though he's a pensioner. He's still happy to pay it because he wants to be part of the RTE journey to help them along the way because he likes what they yeah. do. But Neil, if you think of it, um, well, I suppose you're probably looking at about six hundred thousand people are probably entitled to free licenses. Yeah. Mm. No, there's no such thing as a free license. We all know that. Mm. That money is coming out of. The, de- the budget of the Department of Social Welfare, which basically means RT or robbing the Department of Social Welfare. Well, I wouldn't say robbing; it was given legally well, and legitimately, but it wasn't. Uh, it was it w- the Department of Social Welfare weren't weren't legitimately giving RTE money to top up Tubbery salary. Like. I don't know that the Department of Social Welfare gave that equivalent amount of money. Do you know that to be true? Well, where else could it come from? No, because you don't. You don't know. It could. It could have been another budgetary decision that was made in the in the, in the way that the OEP license fee was paid to RTE. Um, you know, they might have got it from Department of Finance. They could have got it anywhere else. Who knows? Ah, well, yeah, yeah, it is okay. all interconnected, obviously. Like, but I mean, okay. yeah, like I think it's a mess. But I honestly think there's no way back from. Okay, all right, appreciate Thanks, that. Mate. Text 0868 104 106. A lot of countries have abolished the television licence over the years. Um, it's just a, a, an example of those that have got rid of it. Maybe you might say, ah, yeah, but their population is an awful lot better, bigger. But maybe we need a national broadcaster that um, is, you know, like, you know, you don't buy a bigger suit knowing that the suit doesn't fit. Maybe they need to scale down so that they have a model within RT that actually um, can be self-sufficient even if it's a smaller organisation. Anyway, countries that have abolished the TV licence, Belgium, just giving you some examples, Cyprus, Denmark, France, Greece, Hungary, Iceland, Italy, Israel, um, loads of Eastern European countries, loads and loads of them, Uh, the Netherlands, uh, Portugal, uh, Romania, Russia, although I don't think we should go to Russia for examples of anything these days, Spain, uh, Sweden, Turkey and even Ukraine. 
have all abolished the television licence. Um, mind you, there are other countries then where you'd um, get a right old shock if you knew what they were charging. In Germany, they have a TV licence and it's eight euro, 18 euro 36 per month. 18 euro 36. <laughs> in the UK, they need to update their laws there. They still have a black and white television licence and a colour television licence. The UK, it costs £159 for a colour television licence and €53.50 for a monochrome television licence. So what if you had a colour television, right, and you decided to turn down all the colour? Or at least you said, yeah, yeah, Mr. Inspector Man, it's a, it's a colour television, but I, I watch it in monochrome. I turn all the colour off. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Yeah, it's like I have a brand new 59-inch plasma screen that only broadcasts in black and white. Would that fly, I wonder? Uh, so yet another scandal unfolds before our eyes, Neil, in this wonderful little country of ours. Nobody quite like it, Paddy. Would you please not refer to anyone working for RTE, either directly or on contracts, as stars? You keep mentioning stars. They're simply overpaid people who are related to the right tour, who are related to the right people, which is how they get into the empire in the first place. You're entitled to say that, incidentally, Paul, but I don't necessarily you could say that about anybody who's successful, that they just got in there because they, they were related or they knew the right people. Maybe some, but how can you say all? Anyway, the money paid to them is outrageous. No person deserves that level of pay for what they do. There are far more deserving people who get a fraction of that pay for what they do. And I'm referring to frontline people like firemen and women, doctors, nurses, night shifts in our hospitals, paramedics dealing with traumatic situations daily and nightly. They're not paid half enough, in my opinion, and in no way connected to, and I am in no way connected nor affiliated with anyone working in those occupations. What's even more outrageous is the fact that not paying a so-called TV licence charge comes under the criminal law, and people have been arrested and put into prison for non-payment of it. We became a republic in 1922, and to have a law on the statute books such as this is reminiscent of the days pre-1922 when you could be transported to Tasmania for stealing bread to avoid starvation. That's why bread was stolen. Your motor tax is actually a civil law matter. It comes under the Finance Act. So driving your car without current tax is actually a civil matter, yet watching a TV which you bought in a shop in the privacy of your home without having paid a so-called license for is a criminal offence. There are many, many serious offences being committed daily and people are rightly complaining that it either took Gardaí too long to arrive, having been called, or didn't show up at all, possibly because they were busy committing people to prison for the grave offence of not having handed over money to watch television. RTE should be a subscription service and if it can't stand on its own feet commercially, let it go under. The same as happens any business. I'm tired of hearing it's a vital public service and holds politician to account, etc. No, it's not vital. There are plenty of other news sources and radio channels available to us for free. It's about time they got their collective heads out of their butts and came down to earth and joined the rest of us in the real world. Can't talk on air, but I hope you get to read this out. Yours, etc. Paul, by email. To Neil at redfm.ie. Um, a lot of other texts on that, which I will come back to, and lots more besides. If you don't mind, if I could just jump to another couple of topics that I've been dealing with over the past couple of days. And one was the IBAL survey. I was reporting on different areas of Cork. Some had pulled their socks up. Certainly, Mallow continues to rocket.
well done to everybody in Mallow. Uh, Mahan has improved slightly, but there are still areas of the north side that need a lot of work. Uh, but during what I was talking about yesterday, I was rather critical of the Greater Shandon Street area. I was critical of it because that area and others of the north side do feature in it. But I got a response from Shandon Tidy Towns. And they said, while listening to your show yesterday in regard to the eyeball survey, someone made harsh comments about the Shandon area, to which you immediately concurred. You should, of course, have read the report first, which has Shandon Street and Roman Street, main streets in the area, both getting A ratings with good comments. We in the Shandon area tidy towns are constantly cleaning the area and have improved our scores every year for the past seven years. Making ill-informed remarks does not present you in a good light and mud once flung will always stick. We would appreciate it if you could make a correction in tomorrow's show. And that's from Shandon Tidy Towns. And yes, you are right, in all fairness to you. I didn't read the entire report. What I was reading was newspaper coverage, which was fairly scant and just giving different high points and low points and people in the middle and what have you. Uh, And I think points I was making, actually, And this is not in my defence now. I was saying the Chandon Street is run down. If you park the litter aspect of it, I don't think anybody would disagree that Chandon Street needs work, right? And there are businesses there that are opening every day and getting on with what they do, but that a lot more needs to be done. There are a lot of buildings that are just sitting there and are closed up and nothing's happening. So for those that are there doing business, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if there was more injection of cash and a will to improve things in the Chandon Street area? Off it then, um, and I have been there, I I cycled the area about six months ago and I was heartbroken to see the butter exchange and and the state of that um, and the graffiti uh, and the fact that there are weeds growing off the side of the building and in over the back of the butter exchange itself, the old one, as in the butter market as opposed to the, I'm talking about the Firk and Crane here now, uh, but uh, God only knows what kind of a wilderness is going on in there. So I was critical of those areas. But with regards to the litter aspect, I'm happy to acknowledge that you are right Um, um, A ratings and improving with regards to litter in the past seven years. So, fair play to you. Thank you for coming back to me. That's important. A lot of other texts and emails then. Uh, And this is something that I've dealt with in the past. Um, And here we go again. You're aware that everybody's saying that people can't get staff, right? You're aware that people are saying, you know, we um, have to restrict the amount of hours that we open our hospitality business. They're talking about different people on and off. I, I know of people who are involved in all sorts of different businesses that they're thriving and would be thriving, but have had to cut back on services um, because they just can't get people to work. An awful lot of people during and directly after COVID left Ireland. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, uh, sons and daughters who went off to Australia. I'm talking about people who are living here and working here. A lot of them were from Eastern Europe, an awful lot of people from Poland. Um, and a lot went back um, to work in Poland because the economy has vastly improved there. Cost of living is way less than in Ireland, so many left. Others then went to other European countries besides Ireland. They went to the likes of Germany and places like that to work. So we lost a huge amount of people uh, with regards, certainly with regards to hospitality. Uh, But yet we hear all too often of, say, an example of uh, a daughter um, who decided she wanted to get a summer job. And I remember dealing with this story a couple of years back because Kinsale came in for a lot of criticism. There were establishments down in Kinsale that were giving um, students and young people trials. They might bring in, I remember an awful story where I heard of a restaurant that would bring in or at least brought in three young people uh, for a trial. Um, and it was like pitting one against the other for the eight hour shift. And then they picked one of them at the end of the shift to give the job. The others were told to go on away home. There's no job for you. 
extraordinarily, uh, those that did the trial and weren't hired were not paid. They just didn't get any money. Uh, and that, to me, is, uh, is Dickensian, to say the least. It's certainly cruel. So, I'm surprised to see that nothing's changed. Uh, I'm writing on behalf of my friend's daughter, who wants to remain anonymous, as she is still hoping to get summer work. Let us, for the subject of this email, call her Jane. Jane is 17 years old. She's a fifth-year student currently in summer holidays with Leaving Cert next year. She got a great school report. She's a good kid. She's responsible, respectful, hardworking. Jane lives in a busy town in East Cork and sent her CV into a good few businesses in the hope of getting summer work. Bear in mind now, crying out for staff. Ads everywhere, right? No? Notice is up on the door of everything, up in the windows, looking for staff, call in. So... She put the CV into a good number of businesses in the hope of getting summer work. Pretty standard approach. She also called into some businesses. She was offered the chance to work some hours in a restaurant in the town as a trial. And they would advise at the end if she was successful. Jane worked a full Sunday from 10 a.m. until closing that night. As someone else had not turned up for their shift when she was due to finish, she worked on until closing. And the restaurant was busy. And because she wanted to demonstrate that she was hardworking and wanted the job, Jane offered to stay on until close. So she did a lot more than eight hours. At the end of the evening, she was told, hold on to your apron as we'll be in contact with regards to your shift patterns. From that, it would be safe to assume that she got a job, right? The following day, they rang and said, this is your shift or your shifts for next weekend. Oh, she was delighted, and she said she was available for them. A few days passed, and then she received a phone call to say that they gave the job to someone else. Having looked into it locally, it's not the first time that the restaurant in question has done this. I'm wondering, is this specific to this business, or are our young women and men being treated extremely unfairly with summer work, and what terms they're employed under? Have these young people any rights, I wonder? Have they any recourse? What lesson are we teaching our next generation if they're treated like this when they want to contribute to society? To society? They aren't sitting at home on their backsides all summer. Jane put in a long stint and granted they gave her lunch, but she was absolutely gutted that she was treated like this. And can I tell you that there has been no mention of any pay for the day that she worked? Um, I hope you get to read this out. I'm wondering, is this actually common practice in Cork? Interested to hear people's views, please. Thanks so much, says Jay. Now, um, you would think that someone who said, okay, I'm happy to stay on because somebody hasn't turned up. I'm happy to continue this on to close a business to help you, you know, to dig you out in a situation where you're a staff member down. Wouldn't you think that that alone would lead the employer to believe or those in charge to say, You know, this is a keeper. This is someone who works hard and is committed and is willing to stay on beyond the eight hours. But no, you would think also that when somebody eventually had the cruelty to call her and say, sorry, the job isn't yours. We gave the job to someone else. You think that they would also say, but call in and we will pay you in full for all of the hours you worked last Saturday. Um, so it's very cruel, actually. And it's really cruel because you're about a 17-year-old fifth-year student who wants to work for the summer. And I know I'm going to get texts from people who are going to say, I'll hire that girl. I'm in East Cork. I'm looking for somebody. Give me your details. And I'm happy to do all of that. But here's somebody who wants to work, earn their own money, was very excited, put in the trial, which in itself actually is quite suspect if they don't pay for the trial. 
and then was told, "No, nah, sorry, we gave it to somebody else." Like, like, like moving chess people's around chess pieces around on, on, a, on a chessboard, uh, like as if the human being is actually a commodity as such that can be traded and dismissed, and uh, or, or like a piece of used clothes that you can just cast aside. Anyway, the question that's being asked is: This actually common practice in Cork? Interested to hear people's views, please. And so am I. So text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Mick, good morning. Hello, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, um, again, this is, okay, there's a lot going on here, but a lot of it is centred around people who are unhappy with paying the licence fee. Now, James is happy with it, so much so that he's paying it even though he's an OAP. Where are you at with it? Okay, so look, I'm very conscious of the fact that a lot of people have been falling in today and, you know, some of them very, very angry and, and rightly so, with the debacle in RT last week, and I suppose it's not the first time that this has happened with RT. Uh, regarding the licence, I was talking to a producer earlier on. I actually forgot to pay my licence this year, so I got a letter sent last week telling me that the licence was out from the 31st of March, and if I didn't pay it, I'd be getting another letter, which could lead to a criminal prosecution. Yeah. So look, I was going to pay it anyway. But my thing is, all right, I'll pay the licence. Now, a lot of people have been on here saying, look, I'm not going to pay it, I'm not going to renew it, I'll go to jail. Now, it's fine saying that now, but if you don't renew the licence and you do go to jail, that's a criminal uh, prosecution on your record. And if you do try to go to America or Canada or even Australia, it could stop you from going. Do you know what I mean? Totally, yeah. Criminal prosecution means no America, no Australia, probably no Canada and maybe other countries besides. No, that's, that's one side of it. The second side of it, again, as I was saying to a producer, and look, I love sport like a lot of people, and nothing more than watching hurling on a Saturday night if it's on RTE. No, I was looking forward to watching Cork and Tipperary in the opening game of the championship. This was, I think, it was in April or May, but RTE didn't have it. They had it on Gago. Now, you're looking at a game that is probably the pinnacle of Munster hurling championship during the year. Cork and Tip, yeah. two fair rivals, two very successful rivals, all of, you know, for Cork, not for a while. And to have that not been shown on national television was an absolute disgrace. So bad that it made the die. Now, if that's not telling you something, I don't know what is. The RTE said they were going to have it on Gago from the GA uh, live streaming, but a lot of people who signed up to pay the 12.50 for the Gago didn't actually see it. So many people had paid for it that they couldn't stream it. No, I can't understand. Oh my God, because of the popularity of the stream, it collapsed. And the game, and the game itself. Did you get a refund for that match? I'm hoping that they did, and presumably they did, but look, I, I couldn't really comment on that because I don't know. But what I can't understand is there's money being pumped into RT. Surely be to God they can put a section over the side to say, look, this is for sports. We have some for the arts, we have some for programmes. With the programmes, a lot of the programmes in RT are borrowed from BBC or ITV, UTV anyway. Can I just mention something before you go on, because I need to shut a screen down here. You mentioned court appearances, right? I have the statistic from 2020, when 4,581 people were brought to court. There were court cases against them for not paying it. And in 2021, that figure had dropped oh so slightly, uh, down to 4,328 people were brought to court for non-payment of it. They say that the evasion rate is about 15%. What I'm endeavouring to find out now is how many of those 4,500, say, in 2021 resulted in a jail sentence. So I'll get that stat if I can. So go ahead. Yeah. 
So, you know, that, that's, that's all I wanted to say, anyway, you know. No, but I mean, there's more because, well, on the one hand, you're paying the um, RTE licence fee and you have to pay GAA Go to watch a very important match because RTE don't pay for the rights in full to broadcast them for free, but yet they broadcast the coronation of King Charles. Correct. That's, that's the thing I was going to say. Uh, no, I'm not anti-English or anything like that, but I mean, I couldn't understand. Like, they couldn't show a big game that was our heritage, that was Irish, and they could show the coronation. Okay, okay. You know, and okay. not being anti-English or anything like that, I've, look, I couldn't care what they do, to be perfectly honest. You know, but it's, it was just something they threw in, flying the ointment. Thank you, Mick. Appreciate it. Text 0868104106. It's difficult to get up to date. Are you saying to me it's difficult to get up to date stats on it? Um, so jump in yourself there because I know you're doing a bit of work on it. What I'm endeavouring to find out is how many people actually have been sent to jail for non-payment of a TV licence? Sorry, yeah, the, key, the keyboard's been going mad here in the back studio yeah. trying to find this. No problem. Um, you're doing good. You're doing good. So look, uh, in 2012, um, that's the figure I'm found now. I probably will be able to find something updated. I'm just trying to find something uh, as, soon as, I, as soon as I can. But in 2012, the figure for example, there were eleven and a half thousand prosecutions, but of those convicted, only two hundred and forty-two were sent to jail. So it's a very small fraction. And well, you could those, say only, but it was two hundred and forty-two individuals who were prosecuted under a criminal offence for not paying a television yeah, absolutely. went to jail. But I suppose people would make the argument that the a criminal offence wasn't paying, wasn't not paying the TV license. It was not paying the fines. Ah, I've heard that before. The heard they're all connected. Yeah. But it, it, it's true, and like six of those were overnight. So. Six of those spent a night in, you know. Okay, so 242 went to jail. Most of them only for a few hours. Six of the 242 spent an overnight. And as Mick said, now that that is a permanent criminal record for being in jail for overnight. So that that stops travel to places like US and some other countries. Appreciate that. Okay, but again, those figures are 10 years old. Let's see what it is if we can get ones that are a little closer to today or the last few years. Back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show. And Red FM. celebrating summer with 400 euro vouchers to be won every day for the furniture centre on the Watercourse Road in Blackpool. Family-run business over 40 years. Um, helping families to deck out and decorate their home. Located in Blackpool on the Watercourse Road. Now, free delivery, free assembly, free removal, and they're also making and uh, having some beautiful Irish-made custom sofas and Irish mattresses as well, which is great. Try and keep as much of the business as we can in the country, as the fellow said. So, 400 euro vouchers for the Furniture Centre to buy whatever you wish at the Furniture Centre, and we'll play 30 seconds just before midday today. I will give out a trivia question. Then we'll take callers 9 and 10 uh, with the correct answer to the um, the uh, trivia question. And then I'll give you 30 seconds and we'll play 30 seconds. So I'll be working with you as best I can. If we have a tie, you can either choose to take 200 each or we can have a playoff for a final 30 second question. So that's all between now and midday today. Text 086 Pick up the phone on 0818 104-106. Can I just get... I just want to see if I can help with this. Um, I know it's a long shot, but, you know, people are very kind and very helpful. I'll get back to the phone calls in a couple of seconds, um, but got an interesting in, interesting email in from uh, from Sandy. It says, I'm looking for assistance uh, on the following matter. I'm just out of hospital after a knee replacement. Uh, I would greatly appreciate your assistance in helping me get some support in a way that would be beneficial to my physical recovery. I'm an old age pensioner and trying to obtain a profile bed and an orthopedic chair 
uh, as it's crucial for my independence. The district nurse has been more than helpful and has applied for it, but it could take weeks due to HSE protocol. Uh, at the moment, she and I uh, am in fear of getting in and out of bed under the present conditions and need assistance at all times. All this present time, I'm sitting in a wheelchair that is not fit for purpose. I've never requested any assistance of any kind in the past, but I would be more than grateful if you could be of any help in any way possible, uh, says Sandy. Um, I, I hope that um, it's accurate when they say that it could be weeks before the HSE get to you, because unfortunately I've heard that it could be months. Um, I know of other people who are struggling for different things that they need just with regards to their independence and mobility, and they're being told, you're going to be waiting, you're going to be waiting. Oh, Age, Action Ireland, Age Action Ireland do incredible work. And I just say that it might be worth a phone call, Sandy, to see if they can help you in any way, shape or form. They have an awful lot of people who volunteer and provide services for the elderly. Now, I don't know whether an orthopedic chair uh, could be something that they might have, but you never know who might be listening here. If anybody thinks they might be in a position, because at the moment, Sandy is in a wheelchair that is not fit for purpose. Uh, do get in touch with me if you think you could make a difference. Um, and uh, she talks about a, an orthopedic chair, uh, crucial to at least some form of decent quality of life. Get in touch, text 868 104, 106. Um, also, I was telling you, I spoke last week on Friday, and I meant to go back to it yesterday, but it got away from me. You know the uh, new legislation that's going through the door with regards to people who will not be allowed uh, to protest within 200 metres of anywhere that offers abortion services or terminations. This would be a hospital, GP surgery, or a clinic. We spoke about that on air on Friday morning. A lot of texts from that. I haven't read out a single one of them yet. I want to make right on that, and I will do so in a few minutes' time. But I want to go back to the phone lines on other things we were talking on, things you smuggle away with you when you go on your holidays. Vince, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. And one one of the topics had to do with people who say they bring their own pillows. Others, um, I see text coming in. I was mentioning Barry's tea bags, sausages, rashers, my wadi. What are your thoughts on all of this? Well, Neil, we we were lucky enough to go on holidays twice this year, earlier in the year, and uh, you know we'd always bring definitely tea bags, and we'd probably get a pound of sausages at the airport and bring it. <laughs> but we would also bring uh, always a half pound of butter. <laughs> butter, I forgot the butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. difficult to get butter when you're away. Oh, good butter. So on our first trip this year in March, um, I, you know, you go to the security and, and the conveyor and you're asked to take everything out of your bag, anything electrical. So I took out my uh, the iPad and the Kindle and I happened to have a pound, or a pound of butter on the top in, the, in my bag. So he said, oh, uh, we're sorry, he said, but you can't bring butter. So I said, I mean, we've always bought butter. He said, no, he said, uh, it's uh, butter is classed as a liquid, so you can't bring it. Uh, sorry, it's not. It's a block. It's a block, yeah, but apparently it shows up on the scanner as as a block, a big blob, but it's classed as a liquid. So that was okay. I said, right, all right. They uh, took it, did they? Was it they the Kerry Gold it. or what was it? It was the Kerry Gold. So yeah. they, they took it and... Uh, that was that. So the next time we were going, I decided, you know, because they're not going to see this, <laughs> I'll plank it in the bottom of the bag. So that's what I did. Got to the conveyor belt again, um, took out my iPad, my Kindle, and 
left everything else, go through the, the scanner, and I was pulled again. Uh, so it actually did show up in the, on the scanner, and uh, the butter was taken again. So, so beware, don't bring butter. What about so I reckon I also, I also reckon that, that it may have been the neighbor's shirt for the tea break, so, <laughs> so they were going to use my butter. I have to wonder what they what do they do with everything that they confiscate? Whether it's yeah, I don't know. You know. I have no idea. It went on a shelf behind them. There was nothing else there. I know what liquids is they'll take them off and throw into a barrel or something. But uh, I don't know what they do with butter. It was it was just put behind them. I saw, on a shelf I saw a woman the- once going out of Dublin Airport a couple of years ago, and they they took her. Or spray. I don't know whether it was. I can't remember now. I think it might have been antiperspirant or something like that was taken yeah. off her. So um, before she surrendered it, she gathered. I think there were a hen. There was about six or seven of them there at least. So she called all her buddies back and she said, uh, "We need to use this because they're taking it off me." And each one of them sprayed themselves up under their arms and everything and other body parts with the antiperspirant. Pants it on to the next person. They did and they did and then they gave it to the security <laughs> officer afterwards. <laughs> well, but, that was thinking on your piece. Yeah, yeah. So, why Kerrygold? In, in like, if I was to blind test you now with Kerrygold, Aldi butter, and Lidl butter, would you know the difference? Um, it, I, first I, difference I, I, is it's I, half the price. But would you know the difference? Half the price. Yeah. I I haven't tried Aldi or Lidl, but we do uh, get the Duns uh, uh, butter at times, and really there isn't any difference, and it's probably a euro cheaper. Than the than the carry gold. Yeah, yeah. So you just so conditioned to go for carry gold. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't That's remember true. cork and carry butter, do you? That came out of cork all those years ago. Uh, not really. No, I don't actually. C and K, it was called. It was the butter yeah, that we yeah, had as maybe kids. Maybe before my time. Oh well, probably. you're lucky then if it is before your time. Yeah, all right. Well, it probably isn't. If you were a kid, I think I'm older than you. So. <laughs> I remember cork <laughs> I and carry butter. Remember. Well, a... yeah, I, I actually uh, I didn't live in, in Cork when I was younger, so uh, it was probably something that I didn't come to Cork when I was until 1975. Okay, so let me ask another question while I get my list out here. Have you ever been up to the uh, Butter Museum up at uh, Shandon? No, I haven't, but it's one of those things that I know I should do. Well, uh, I, 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 think, I think it's on my list. It is. The Butter Museum is on my list. Would you like a family pass to go up and visit the Butter Museum? I'd Shandon. absolutely love it, Neil. Yeah. Well, definitely. I'm going to get one and put you on hold now and get your details and send you one of those. You can take the entire family. It's an incredible story of when Cork was the capital of the butter trade for all of Europe. I mean, uh, and I'll get the people on from the Butter Museum later in the week to tell people some more about how important we were with regards to the export of butter from Cork. But I'll give you a family pass. Go up there, will you? Enjoy Excellent. it and come back and I let will. me know what you think, all right? I will, of course. I'm actually retired now, so I can go anytime. Okay, and when you're up there, you will see the label for Cork and Kerry butter, butter right. from our childhood. All right. Tell him I sent you up. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Vince. Stay on the line. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Cork's Red FM. Okay, uh, Kevin's off the phone there from um, the uh, prison service with regards to TV license and people who actually end up in prison. Off the phone with the prison service who say that the amount of offences for not paying the fine related to a TV license avoidance has dropped dramatically in the last number of years, along with all other similar offences like parking fines. Basically, you really would want to go to prison to end up 
for not paying. Would you really want to go to prison uh, for not paying your television license? Uh, you go to court. Then there is an arrangement made based on your income to spread the fine over a period of time. And then essentially a lien is put on your wages. If you block that, then it would be most likely community service. Um, but I'm, um, I went through 124 pages of stats last Monday and the computer shows the most common offences. Nothing ever came up about it that would show you how uncommon it is. Uh, is, that, is, is that from the, the, the prison service or is that from um, somebody who actually did a little bit of research in it on their own back? Uh, sorry, uh, dealing with a couple of things at once here today. It's been a busy show. Yeah. Um, so basically, that was uh, the uh, we got onto the prison service directly, and the guy in the, the guys looking after comes to the prison service had said that basically, yeah, it's it's not just. He said in the last five or six years, the, the law not only the law has been changed, but the culture has been changed. To basically, it's not going to be a case of you have to go to prison. It's going to be a case of well, we're going to try and help you to pay yeah. whatever fine it is. But off. they ultimately put a lien on your salary, which takes it out its source. That's what he's saying. Yeah. He wow. says, and it's not only it happens with parking as well or with other kinds of fines for not paying So if paying you didn't have things. a job and you had a parking fine, for instance, you didn't pay it or a television license you paid, would they take it out of your bank account if you were on welfare? Uh, that, no, I didn't ask him. Uh, but I, I take it that basically it's it's organised that you, you pay it directly at source. Okay. So um, okay. I can't okay. remember. He had it. There was a term that we were both trying to look for over the course of the conversation and we couldn't quite find. But there was a term that if you, they can legally put what is essentially a lien on income that you have to, to pay it off automatically. Um, but then if you don't do that then it goes to community service but he, he had said he had gone through hundreds of pages um, of different you know wh- how many infractions in different kinds of types are, are, and they're all listed out across the 100 pages and he said the TV licence not paying your fine due to TV licence doesn't even appear so it used to be reasonably common years ago but in the last number of years basically there's okay. barely anybody if, okay. if anybody being sent to prison in the last five or six years for not paying fine due to their TV licence Okay, thanks, Kevin. Uh, Mind you, I did get a text from someone that says, I was incarcerated twice for no TV licence. There were six of us in the cell for the same offence and we were left out after four hours. I've had TV licence inspectors still banging on my door with the threat of jail and I say, sure, I've been up there twice already. So it's this threat and the fear factor that they use and abuse. Um, but I'm wondering, do you have a criminal record now, though, for instance, you know, um, with regards to uh, particular jobs that you could apply for or indeed countries that you could visit to? Come back to, to, me, come back to me on that one. Text 0868 104 106. You talk about television. Many people are saying, oh, I watch Netflix or I only stream or I only use my laptop. And, and that's very true because you pay for the broadband and you pay your subscription to to Netflix. I, I also pay for Netflix and I play for Pr- Prime as well. I think the television offers offerings on Prime are shocking. They'll probably cut me off now. But I pay it because it's fantastic with regards to tennis because uh, they bought the rights to an awful lot of international tennis. But looking at Netflix, there's a story out this morning. Um, sometimes I despair with the way the world is going. I know what would happen. It was a horrific event that happened on the Titan submersible going down with those poor people on it and for the whole thing to implode and for them all to lose their lives. But apparently um, people are starting to freak out and say that Netflix should not have just added the movie Titanic to the Netflix platform because that's what they've done. It says here that Titanic is set to return to Netflix in the US and Canada, but some users have suggested the timing is insensitive. Apparently people are saying things like that it is so wrong and others said that it is beyond distasteful 
that they would put Titanic on the Netflix platform. Don't you think that people are grown up enough and adult enough and educated enough to be able to see the difference between Titanic, the movie, and what happened with regards to the real-life scenario regarding the Titan submersible? But then again, I don't know, I suppose when you have social media and people have an opportunity to comment and be upset or spew their anger, that's exactly what they will do. Um, I know that we live in a fairly desperate cancel culture but uh, we hear of more and more things being cancelled I wonder if Titanic the movie is going to be the next one The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818 104 Okay I'll come back to lots of different texts and emails and also one or two other stories that are uh, breaking or happening or have been happening on Side over the past couple of days one of them is related to Live with the Marquee and the other is um, Musgrave Park uh, and the experience that somebody had at a concert in Musgrave Park but there are other events a slight change in plans though I'm telling you all about Denise O'Sullivan who's on the ladies Irish soccer team and she's heading off to the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand later in the summer now the squad are getting together quite soon and Denise is either home or coming home from America and they want to give her a big send off remember I was telling you all about that I just want to update because Denise's sister Sinead um, has been in touch and just wanted to update on the event which is happening tonight I believe Sinead is that right tonight yeah tonight yeah um, unfortunately Denise can't make it tomorrow night she needs to be up in Dublin so the squad are actually assembling tomorrow then yeah yeah so um, no this has all only been confirmed in the last hour so no it's um, fine there's nothing you listen if if she's got to be up with the squad it's that's fine I mean we just got to let people know that how we had the an open top bus and the red patrollers and everything ready for tomorrow so that's you know we're all gutted but what can you do I know, I know. But sure, look, the only thing is that we're still going to go ahead with tonight. We're going to do it tonight and we're going to do it from 7 o'clock to half 8 in my mother's estate. That's Ken Corchon Park in Nakanini. So, um, I hope people can make it. Look, it's very short notice, which is understandable. So, we'll still give her a good send-off. She's got to be I mean? with the squad. If she's told <laughs> to report for duty, she's got to report for duty. That's yeah, all part yeah, of being you know? part of a team. So yeah. we, so it's happening so at home in Courtown Park in Knocknahini, 7 o'clock tonight. 7 o'clock tonight, yeah. exactly. And you're yeah. asking yeah. all the community. And is, and tell me, is Denise home now and everything? She's home now, yeah. She's home. She got home um, yesterday evening, so... Um, we didn't see much of her yet, to be honest. <laughs> you know, so um, so yeah. So she looking be forward there to it. Can't wait, can't wait. Look, we we were excited about tomorrow night because the build up was there, and we were like, oh yeah, you know, know, but know, you know, know, things change, and you can't do nothing about that. And she needs to be where she needs to she be. She needs so. to be. That's fine. It's no. Yeah, listen, it's yeah. one of these things. The opened up bus was for tomorrow. The red patrollers and everything, but it's happening tonight, seven o'clock, ten. Court Town Park in Knocknahini. Everybody yeah. in the local community should be there to give her a good yeah. send off and wish her all of the best, her and the rest of the squad. Yeah? Fantastic. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. All right. Have a great yeah. night then, Sinead. Have a great night. <laughs> thanks very much and thanks for everything. All Take right. Care. All the okay. Best. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Meanwhile, text 0868104106. It's the same show as yesterday, uh, saying the same thing over again with regards to RTE. Okay. There were updates to it, of course. A lot happened between now and yesterday. Uh, to think that Brendan O'Connor takes home €4,700 per week is truly sickening. What does any man do to deserve that kind of a salary like that for two weekend programmes? Does Dee Forbes still get all her pension and all the other perks she was entitled to? 
Uh, don't know anything about that uh, uh, with regards to that because um, she was there for a contractual period of, was it five years or, or seven years? I don't even, I wouldn't even think that D Forbes was actually staff as such. Can you ask this man what happens after the meetings and will there be a legal case to answer to? Um, well, that was a question that I did put to Finan Sheehan as to what happens next. I also put it to Colin Burke as to what happens next. Nobody knows, really. It depends on what's said over the next two meetings. Uh, this guy closed Cork Mail Centre and is after cutting postal workers' allowances, i.e. 6am start, now a 7am start, and they're reviewing it again in the autumn. Hardly the guy RTE cartel would have wanted to take over. Um, I think RT is great value. I pay €240 for football on television for six months only. I get all of what RT does for a lot less for a full 12 months. Look at Netflix. It's a total rip-off compared to what RTE gives us. Uh, This isn't about glass houses and stones, as as you said. If someone is paid one million a year by a private sector company, that's their own business and fair play to them for negotiating that wage. However, when the wage is coming directly from hardworking people's tax, that's all our business and should be fully scrutinised and justified as to why they deserve such a chunk of people's hard-earned money. Can't come on air working, says Kevin. Uh, Lads, now that we're asking RT some questions, could somebody please find out who's taken the horse to France? Hashtag Kerry Gold. I remember that ad. Um, Good morning. Could Mr. Keelty, as a contractor, be getting paid through an agent and paid in sterling? A lot of these contract guys are overpaid and should have their salaries reviewed downwards. Plenty of replacements within RTE to cover these shows. The likes of Liveline, Ray Darcy, Claire Byrne, overpaid presenters who would not get these these monies anywhere else, says Billy. And one, two, one or two more. This is just another head of a company being propped up with taxpayers' hard-earned money. Nothing learned by these incompetent government ministers. For example, nothing learned by FOSS, charities, the children's hospital. How many of those that were in charge misused money, either for themselves, their families or corporate buddies? It just seems to be the same thing all over again. They can't be touched because of the way their contracts are written and worded by their legal advisors and signed off on by those that are meant to safeguard the taxpayer. This is just a show to keep the taxpayer happy and TDs in their seats. These two different inquiries, says Colm. I've been living on the north side for the past four years. The TV licence inspectors have called a number of times, and each time they've looked for the licence I don't have, I've asked them to produce ID. When they don't, I close the door in their face. Ah, well... Um, I've had a TV licence inspector call who willingly, without even being asked, showed their um, ID first. Um, but uh, How can you say that 6-1 News is good? It's padded. They repeat the same story four times. Loads of advertising breaks and loads of expensive newsreaders and taking cheap stories from mainstream news providers. The 6-1 News is not good. Uh, and that's just a selection Um I can go back to more throughout the course of the morning. But I want to—I just want to go back to one or two different topics I've been talking about of late. And one had to do with correcting an injustice to the greater Shandon area with regards to their litter status, which is improving and improving. And I've done that, and rightly so. Other areas of the north side could learn from the Shandon Tidy Towns Committee. But it looks as if Mahan also is learning, because 12 months ago I was talking to Sandra Brett with regards to trying to tidy up Mahan, um, and they launched it. Uh, I know they were they were they were doing a big push last year, um, and hoped that it would make it make a difference in the eyeball litter stakes. It seems to be starting to work. Sandra, good morning. 
Um, look, but hold on a second now. I just need to fix something here and I'll get it sorted. There you go. Sandra, good morning. Hi, good morning. Okay. How are you? So, just with regards to year on year, uh, there seems to be an improvement. Well, I tell you now, I have to say, just a small correction, okay? We only really started in uh, February, March this year. Okay, but we spoke uh, about a year ago, though, wasn't it? No, it was last March. Was it? So it must come out... Okay, well, that that just leads me to think that it comes out twice a year then. My apologies. All right. Okay. okay. I think you may be getting it mixed up with the Tidy Towns uh, report in the Irish Business Against Litter. Ah, that would be it. So, okay, there was two different reports. There are two different reports, like in the sense that the Irish Business Against Litter is really focusing just on litter. And Tidy Towns is what we set up. Now, I mean, we did it for the reason that we we were the dirtiest place in... Ireland, but um, you know we 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 have just we're just so happy today. Well, I'm so happy today that we moved from number forty to thirty two in a relatively short period. You got off, you got off the most littered or seriously littered. No, we got off the no, we got off the worst of of Ireland. So that was on even on the yeah. That, that's that's yeah, anyway. yeah. I think that's 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 deemed to be catalogued to categorised as seriously littered. Yeah. Seriously littered. So now we're moderately littered. But like but the most important thing I think that has happened really is our community has really gelled together. Um, like tomorrow morning, now um, City Gate representatives are meeting us. Okay, we had uh, Logitech who've been on to us. All the schools in the area are all willing to come on board, and they have been prior to this. But we're very, very new. We're very, very. Um, we're just getting there. Or, you know, you have to have a very strong uh, foundation for any committee and there's so many rules and regulations that we have to adhere to that, you know, but we're, I'm just very happy. Tell you the truth. I feel that we are really moving in the best direction. So what did you do to make a difference to come up two different categories from as it well, was? Well, I tell you, yeah. the, the worst. <laughs> I tell you, um, first of all, you have to give credit to Cork City Council, Okay. Because they have, um, we had a, before the, uh, what was it, the COVID, we had a you know, community worker, you know, kind of call him a warden, which I have to say, I don't like the word. But he, but then we got a new one, his name is Arthur. And he kind of, we brought it up the the policing forum. And from the policing forum to the council, to us, to people that were interested, we've de- developed a very good relationship. And, you know, I mean, everybody, like, is interested. Not so many feet on the ground at times. But how but, did like, you get people to litter less, is what I'm saying? No, we're picking up. You're picking up? Oh, oh. Is... all right. So well, that's yeah, unfortunate. Right. People continue to to litter, but well, you, you guys just pick... Always, you will always have people who will litter. Most of it is the throwaway litter, which I was reading the report last night. It's the kind of fresh litter that comes from the shop. There are about four bins in the whole in Mahan area. Four litter bins. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, maybe. Yeah. Right. It's now it's a very vast area, as you are aware, and it's getting you know more. But that, more not having a bin is never an excuse to dump your junk on the road oh, or the green area. Oh, but that has an awful lot to do with education. You know, I don't jump my junk, and I pick up litter poop, the dogs poop, but like loads of people don't. Education and the fact that all yeah, the is, is are it really about education? Surely that would fall under the remit of common sense. Oh, yeah, we're calling for the reading of common sense, but like we're living in about, like, from my own experience, right? A kind of throwaway society. If you look, there's many different aspects of throwaway society. We don't need it, we just dump it. And that goes from. And do you have any idea? Yeah, yeah, fast fashion is another one. You're right. Yeah, we do dump it. But is there any um, information as to the age group of those that are the heaviest litterers? Are they kids from shops? Is it fast food? No, I think it's shops. Uh, They. 
off license, no, not the off license, the oh, all the takeaways, you know, the takeaway litter. Yeah. Um, it's most that, that is and bottles, bottles, cans, um, tater bags, mostly eat and drop. Yeah. Or drink and drop. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So we're hoping that with the kids, all the schools going to be coming on board. Even the junior schools are coming on board in September. So it's about getting um, well, I got a kind of a. Uh, uh, a rota going. Yeah. You know, because we still only have about six volunteers on the committee. We'd have about maybe 10 to 20 people that might turn up, but then you might have nobody. You've got three people, you know? So, you're hitting you're hitting your targets, though. I'll give you that, though, in fairness. In spite of the fact that you still need to get people to stop littering, you're picking up more, hopefully. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Over time, and, people and might have more pride, you know, more pride in where well, they Well, I think it's developing, uh, developing a sense of pride in the area as well. Yeah. Now, we have um, a, a new campaign. We have um, new ads going up around the place. We have... Um, Oh, we're getting our letterheads. Everything is kind of we're moving. It's slow, but you need a you need to have a proper foundation before you can really. Develop and does anything. the warden catch people littering and find them? I wonder. No, no, that no, no, no. That's not his role. Okay. His role is to commit, get the community to work together. Okay, okay. He's, he's not a litter warden. You know, okay. he's a, a community worker. You know, but his role is to get all these different agencies working together, getting the shops on board, getting the local. NGOs for the want of better words, you know? There's yeah. so many services here. Why do you talk you about know? kicks in the teeth from Mahan, though? Is it not uh, enough services or a community centre or library or, oh, we or have. sports? No, or? no, no. The only thing we don't have is a library, okay? Yeah. Like, I do, people get this impression, honestly, this is right impression, that we have nothing. We are fully... Uh, complement of sports facilities. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say that. Sport. I mean, if you want to go and see we where have, all of um, this, the pitches are, they're all down in Man. They're right across the road from where I live. Okay, yeah. it's the most amazing. I keep on saying it is the most amazing place to live. Right, it's got a great sense of community. It's got churches, schools, swimming pool. Be it private, it doesn't make a difference. We have and we have loads of people coming in and out of Man every day who are working. There must be twenty thousand people coming in and out from the different various areas, different jobs, you know. So we will continue to make a difference. Good for you. Okay, continued success with it. And when we talk again next, hopefully you'll have moved up another couple of categories. You're currently sitting in moderately littered. After that, it will be clean to European norms. Well, that would be wonderful. Wouldn't it? No, we'll have to. We have a lot of work to do still, you know. We're very, we have few very determined people who are determined to push it forward. Thank you. Thank you you so much for taking the call, Sandra. And with the great help of everybody here, I have to say, Guard, everybody, they're all on board. Get the multinationals down there. Get the multinationals down to the call centres, the pharmaceuticals. Get all them to give you a few bob. Yeah, and and not only that, but they're giving their time. All right. Okay. They're going to come out and pick up the letter. Fair play. You know? Okay. Thanks, Sandra. Okay. Get the people Take to litter less, and then there'll be less people have to pick it up. That's the message, I suppose, at the end of the day. Right. We have two 400 euro, oh, we have a 400 euro voucher to give away again today, every day this week, courtesy of ourselves in the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road. We'll play 30 seconds in about eight minutes' time, right? But I need two qualifiers, please. So we'll take callers nine and 10. Here is your qualifying question. <laughs> Actually, had to ask for the answer. I didn't know it. What is the only country in the world beginning with the letter Y? If you don't know, just Google it. (laughs) What is the only country in the world beginning with the letter Y? And the answer is not y'all. It is not y'all. 
Anyway, two callers, 9 and 10, 0818 Go for it. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818 Red FM. OK, a lot of texts on uh, the issues regarding uh, RTE. Uh, if D Forbes can't or won't attend the committees in person, then could she not supply written answers to relevant questions? If not, then the suspicion will be that she is deliberately withholding vital information, says Ray. Um, your man, the pensioner James, needs to cop on. Please now. He's paying his television license when he doesn't have to. A pensioner. Would you just stop now? No wonder the country's in the state it's in. If there's more people of that mind frame about, says Melissa. Um, meanwhile, other person, other person had a similar one. I saw it coming in. It's not in front of me, but I did see someone saying that James might be better off giving the 160 euro to charity as opposed to the license fee. But he has the courage of his convictions. He likes what they do and he wants to be seen to be contribute, uh, contributing. All the other RT presenters coming out now saying, oh, but not me. In my opinion, they're just the ones who didn't get caught are upset that they weren't in on the deal. Well, listen, come on, it's a bit more serious than that. Um, they um, had their salaries published and they were correctly published. Nothing to see here, really, in their case, if you like. Um, and there's many more on that one, which uh, we'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. But um, I did get a very... Uh, I'm just waiting on, on the actual uh, Garda report on this because we did talk to Garda Press on this matter. A fellow got an awful beating down in the marquee on Saturday. I don't know what happened, right? Uh, they ended up uh, squaring up to each other and punch was were thrown. Uh, one guy goes down and then the other character continues to kick him in the head. We're hearing this all too often of people when they go down being kicked in the head. Um, the most dangerous place that you can kick someone. Uh, now that individual uh, is unknown to us. I don't know them. But we did see the video of what happened at Live of the Marquis on Saturday. We received a video of the violent incident and we sent this to Garda Press wondering, did they have any information on it? Uh, and it took place at the Live of the Marquis on Saturday. The video shows an altercation between two males before one is knocked unconscious and stamped on while he's on the ground. We were wondering if Garda Press had any uh, record of the altercation during the Live of the Marquis event. And they said, Garda, you're investigating an incident of assault which occurred at the Live of the Music event in Cork City on Saturday, June 24th. A man in his 20s was taken to Cork University Hospital to be treated for serious but non-life-threatening injuries. No arrests have been made at this time. Investigations are ongoing. And that's from Garda Press. Uh, Now, I don't know whether they've made any headway with regards to that. The video is freely available and the people involved can see it. But what makes people react like that? Where you would have a fight like that in the first place? Why do these things kick off? And then when it gets as bad as it does, when someone goes down and looks as if he's unconscious anyway from the dig, you stamp on his head. I mean, it just, it's just awful. I mean, it's just terrible what people do to each other. But from there then over to Musgrave Park. So this came in uh, to me... In the early hours of this morning, it says, just wondering if you could do a shout out to see if anyone had a similar experience at the concert at Musgrave Park last night. It was the roughest crowd I've ever encountered. What gig was that? Was that was that the Florence and the Machine gig last night that they're talking about? It's the roughest crowd I've ever encountered. Gangs of teenagers banging into us, elbowing us, pushing us. We'd move away only to be confronted with another gang. There was literally not a moment's peace for the whole concert. I'm surprised there wasn't a crush or a serious injury. It seemed way too full. And I've heard of people sneaking in. So I think there might be an entrance that people are not getting into. 
uh, or maybe that people are getting into it where they shouldn't be. It was very dangerous and most unenjoyable. Also, it seems like they had no interest in the concert, so I can't imagine them buying tickets however they got in, which makes me think that maybe they're sneaking in for something to do. Just wondering, was it just us or did everyone over 17 feel the same way? I think there should be an age limit on these concerts. The young people definitely ruined it for the oldies. I'm only 32, by the way. Just felt about 60 because it was literally tormented by kids from start to finish. All the troublemakers were underage, I would say, because none of them had drinks from the bar because they were checking the ID at the bar. I was at Paolo Nottini two weeks ago and that was so well managed. So it's either that it was overly full this time but they didn't have the same level of staff. There was security present, but they weren't doing much to control the crowd. People kept going up on each other's shoulders and they kept telling them to get down, but they'd go straight back up again and the security was nowhere to be seen then. Madness. We could not wait to get out, even though Florence was absolutely incredible. So Sarah Murphy, with regards to an unenjoyable experience for a lot of different reasons at Musgrave Park, last night. Uh, text 0868104106, pick up the phone on 0818104106. I'm hearing news now uh, that um, the missing wolf dog, Axel, may well have been found and to find out if that's true or not, we have Vincent Cashman from the CSPCA. Vince, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good man, thanks so much. It sounds as if something is happening as we speak. What's going on? Um, unfortunately, it's not good news, Neil. Um, the wolf was spotted near Ballygarver this morning. We're just after leaving it there now. Um, it was caught inside in the yard. Now, the, the staff, I'm presuming they're from Rumley's, and I even was there as well. Um, they did manage to net the wolf. And um, I would I would reckon that the, the, the poor guy's heart gave out, you know. Um, and it died, it died shortly afterwards. Now, one of our guys went around all right, and we said, look, we, we'd be able to get him into the van. Um, into one of our own vans because it worked out the way it's about 40 kgs so we were hoping to actually get him into one of our vans and get him back to Ivan's class but I'd say between the age restraint and um, he'd never been it never happened to him before and the, the very fact that he was, he was out to five days now at this stage I'd say his poor heart gave out like as in I, heart failure heart attack I'd say, I'd say that's what it was yeah yeah Oh my God! Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, were you were you actually there, or are you going there now, or are you? Rep- no, I just I just after leaving it. Okay, so 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 you can, can you can confirm you've been on the scene where Axel is, and he is dead. He is dead. Yes, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah. How old is yeah. the wolf dog Axel? About twelve years old. Is that old in terms of that dog breed? Um, in you see the the problem with this guy was. Uh, he very little human interaction. I would, I would think he has never been on a lead. He has never done any of that kind of training that you would do with a normal dog breed. So any form of what what happened is is completely new to him. So would you say uh, that he was a very frightened, scared dog? Um, the very fact that they netted him, I'd say he wasn't. They were. They, they did well enough to get as close as they did to him. Um, but I think his heart just eventually gave out. Isn't that awfully sad, Vince? It's a sad finish. Um, after after five days being out in the bows and 
sightings and then actually managing to catch the animal, it's it's um, not the result anybody wanted. And would it have been compounded by the fact that maybe he hadn't had water or hadn't been eating for those number of days? It, it could well have. We don't know was he living... Um, unfortunately, you're getting a lot of, of carrying on the roads, uh, road kills and stuff like that. So he, he would survive um, on, on road kill. Um, and plus then that it's, it's agricultural area where he is he would be able to find water, trough snow, a um, bit of a stream, stuff like that. And um, he, he would say for his appetite, he would have been okay, but he would still have been completely thrown out. Now, I did get a statement from uh, Rumley's overnight. I had hoped to, to speak with them, but they've declined that, uh, but sent um, a statement which is very much out of date now because Axel has died. But they, they were talking about the thunderstorm on Thursday evening, and it was the following morning that they discovered that he was missing. Um, would That would possibly explain why he ran away. He got frightened by the thunderstorm, would you think? He could well have. Um, apparently he dug out of his enclosure, he, he dug under the fence and managed to squeeze out. It's awfully sad though, um, you know, I don't, I don't know whether you have any opinion as to how this would impact on Rumley's open farm. Um, I'm not sure how it will finish. Um, but look, with, with anything that escapes like this, there would have to be a review of enclosures, design, the animals being kept. Okay. That would be the norm anyway, you know? Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, sad news this morning. I actually thought when you were coming on that he'd been found safe and well and he was being relocated back to whence he came, but that's not the case. Yeah. He, he died. Unfortunately, he died. Unfortunately, he died. Vincent, thank you so much for the update. Appreciate it. Vincent Cashman of the CSPCA near Ballygarvan, apparently, but sadly passed away with fright, I imagine. I mean, I'm not a medical man, but he died. And I think maybe the, um, the whole incident proved too much for him. The net being, you know, uh, on his own for so long, his heart gave out and Axel died. Um, this isn't the first time that there's been criticism, whether it was inspections of uh, Rumley's or indeed um, there was a report in 2019 that spoke of a history of animal escapes from Rumley's. Many of those actually were involving uh, invasive alien species that posed a threat to local biodiversity. Uh, they did have a lot of um, different types of exotic animals back in the day, but surrendered all of those. They, they stopped doing them. Um, I know that there was other breakouts from there, and there was also issues with regards to uh, when National Parks and Wildlife Services went there. Uh, they also spoke of a very lackadaisical effort to recapture the animals that escaped. But in this case, though, it would seem as if Rumley's made a huge effort uh, because there are many sightings of Axel in and around the greater area. Um, he's an older dog and been 12 years old. Uh, and they were saying that um, while they were thanking the public for their, uh, for their assistance, they were attempting to locate Axel and return him home safely. This is not the case. They managed to get a net over him and he passed away. Very sad. I'll be coming back to that topic actually tomorrow because um, I do have some clarifications to make uh, on to- on the topic yesterday. Uh, so more on that on tomorrow's programme. But can I leave you on a light-hearted note, if you don't mind? I may get an opportunity also to talk to Pat Buckley. I'll have to see how time goes and that awful tragedy down in East Cork. But it's not looking likely for this morning, unfortunately, the way time is 
is going against me because I want to give people an opportunity to get themselves a 400 euro voucher courtesy of ourselves and the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road. So with that in mind, I should have Evelyn Noonan online too. Evelyn, good morning. Good morning. Okay, and I should have Geraldine Kilfoyle in Blarney. Are you there, Geraldine? Hi, Neil. Okay, so seeing as I have you first, Evelyn, the answer to the qualifying question, please. The only country in the world, starting with the letter Y. Yemen. Yemen, sorry. That'll do. That'll do. Did you know that or did you Google it? Uh, no, Google it. <laughs> uh, me too. I haven't, a clue, I haven't a clue either. I thought it was you all. Okay, guys. So, Evelyn, so Evelyn, you're first, right? 30 seconds. And I'm trying to help you along as I can. A 400 euro voucher. There's a big summer event on at the Furniture Centre at the moment. And whoever wins it can go out and be part of the summer event and get some great bargains at the Furniture Centre on the Watercourse Road in Blackpool. So, are you ready, Evelyn? I am indeed. Oh, my God. Are you nervous? Because I'm nervous. <laughs> Small bit. Small bit. Okay. Well, I'm nervous because I don't want to make a balls of it for you. So here we go. You ready? Yep. Your 30 seconds starts now. Uh, when you lose something out of your mouth, you put it under the pillow. Who comes along? Sorry, can you say that again? When you lose something from your mouth, you put it under the pillow. Who comes along at night? Too scary. Okay. Um, this was a, a kind of a, a pornographic magazine of naked women. Playboy. Correct. Uh, a song that's sung primarily at English rugby matches. Uh, they sing, the crowd national. sing it and the team sing it. Not a national, national anthem. anthem. Oh, no. No. Swing low, sweet chariot. No? Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Okay. You got two. So hold on there. We'll see how Geraldine Kilfoy gets on in Blarney. Geraldine? Hi. Hi, Neil. Do you get any of them? Do you? I got about two, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's see how you get on with this one, all right? 30 seconds. Okay. 400 okay. euro voucher. You've got to get more than two to win this. Okay. Here we go. Your clock starts now. Uh, the boss in the Vatican. Or the Pope. Uh, the, the place where Santa Claus lives. Oh, uh, North Pole. Yeah, but not really the North Pole. Where up there? Lapland. Correct. Uh, this, this woman had a perfume business, her... Christian name was Coco. Oh, Coco Chanel. All right, we'll continue. You've got three. The boy and the girl who went into the woods and got captured by the bold woman whose house was made yeah. out of chocolate. What? Ansel and Gretel. Ansel and Gretel is right. Uh, a Northern Ireland rug... Uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> four out of four. Well done. <laughs> Evelyn. Evelyn. Yes. I'm so sorry. I bet you wish you got um, Geraldine's card. I know, they were so easy. Sorry, Evelyn. Were they a lot easier? I'm sorry about that, girl. Try again, Evelyn, all right? Thank you. Cheers, all the best. Okay, Geraldine, you're in in Blarney. All well in Blarney? All very good in Blarney, Neil. Lots of tourists, lots of yanks, lots of buses? Absolutely, packed out. Okay, well, you don't have far to come in now from Blarney into the Watercourse Road. You have a 400 euro voucher for the furniture (laughs) centre. Well done. Thank you very much, Neil. You're welcome. Take care. We'll play again tomorrow. All the best. Bye, Geraldine. We'll play again tomorrow. Lines will stay open on 0818104106. You can text 0868104106. My apologies to Pat Buckley. We'll come back to um, uh, every other call, text and email tomorrow. If you have a story to share, you can always email neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.